Individually, they are a force to be reckoned with. But when they join together, they become Unplugged Radio. Prepare to be swept off your feet as Greg Person, the lover, takes the stage. But wait, what illusion is this? It is no trick. It is Jake Hutton, magician, for your viewing pleasure. Look out! The sensational sensei himself, Mike Rossi, warrior on display. Bow down and grovel at his feet as John Vanas, king, utters his Welcome decree. to another fantastic episode of Unplugged Radio. I'm your host, Greg. I'm your host, John. I'm your other host, Mike. It's always the other host. It's always the other host. Well, sometimes it's the other other host. Well, it depends on how many people we have. Yeah, True, of course. Well, we are we are coming to you uh, hot off the heels of the Unplugged GT. So you're going to hear all about that event. Uh, John being the tournament organizer, Mike and I being two of the participants, and uh, we got a lot of good stuff to to say and to dive into. But let's oh, yeah. kick it off with our hobby updates. You guys been doing uh, in advance or since returning from? The tournament. Greg, start us off. You're you're in the you're in the best position to do this. Oh, all right. I mean, I finished the Armada fleet. That was the That's, big deal. Right? It's amazing. That was the right? big deal. I finished the Armada fleet that I was painting up for the charity raffle. And I was really happy with how it all came together. I am probably going to say this again. I said it uh at the event. I would love to get my hands on my own Armada fleet and paint one up because it was it was fun and the game looks really good. So uh, that was awesome. And then since coming back... And it, and it came out really great. It's It was yeah. really awesome. Especially, I don't know if you weren't there at the GT, but, you know, Greg raffled that off and it had all kinds of, like, custom accessories and stuff to go with it. So it was not only the rules and the ships, but, like, a display piece and, like, laser cut, uh, like... Uh, trackers for for your ship statuses and stuff it was great yeah thank you awesome thank you and uh just again it raffle is obviously over but if you go to the article on dash 28 i did update it with all of the photos of the uh completed fleet so that's dash 28.org and then uh the article is called support charity win an armada fleet go check it out and then since coming back um you know, I brought, we'll get into this obviously in the main topic, but I brought dwarfs and I, it was my first event using them. Uh, I had had only a handful of practice games in advance, which is apparently the best way to go into a tournament. And I brought every single thing I had painted, which was exactly 1995 points. So I painted one miniature, one dwarf since then, which was a, one of the metal dwarf hammerers. I love those guys that was, really the only unit that isn't represented currently in my army that I right. absolutely have to get on the table. So that'll be part of when I expand it out to the 2300 point level. I think oh, I, I gave you a couple of though. hammers too, didn't I? Recently. You did give me a couple of hammers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had some kicking around from who knows when. It will definitely be included into the fold. Excellent. 
Yeah, so that's me. John, you probably painted like seven kill teams. Yeah, probably six and a <laughs> half, probably. Um, no, I did. I did paint a lot of kill teams. Um, I don't remember exactly what I finished. The, the recent one I finished was the Sisters of Battle. Um, and I may finish the Adeptus Arbites tonight. Very, very close to, to finishing them. Um, but the Sisters of Battle, I really enjoyed. Um, the, <laughs> unknowingly, I copied Jeremy Duvall's paint scheme. Um, and I'm not sure if he had like showed me a picture of this and it was like subconsciously sitting in the back of my mind. But I debated colors for these Sisters of Battle. I think I, I mentioned this last time, right? For like yeah. t- two years, I sat on these Sisters of Battle and I just couldn't. Dis- so I finally, I, I like did a bunch of like color swaths next to each other to see what looked good. And I was like, yeah, purple and white, purple. Yeah, purple and white. I'm going purple and white, boys. And then I sent a picture to right. Jeremy and he's like, yeah, buddy, look at my purple and white sisters. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a sign you're on the right track. Right? Yeah, Jeremy's a good well, I told him. I told him. Now we both have to finish our armies and go to like Adepticon and play in a doubles tournament a or double something game. like that. Like, right? Like, that would be amazing, yeah. right? <laughs> um, that's awesome. So they they were really fun to paint. I'll do some more of them for sure. And then I, I have been painting Adeptus Arbides as well. So uh, yeah, that's the that's the recent stuff. Played some games of um, Grimdark Future. Uh, I played some Kings of War leading up to the Unplugged GT to practice with some of the local guys. Um, not not digging the Empire Dust right now. I'm feeling really, really, really not uh, into that. Um, Is it kind of samey? Like what's going on? Well, it could be some He's of the armies that I play against. Gritty taste in his mouth. Like, the sand. It's all the sand. It's awful. It's awful. I, it, it could be some of the matchups. You know, like um, playing Night nice Soccer's a lot. The Night nice Soccer's just. I don't have the things to, yeah, to deal to right. deal with with them. You're playing um, Johnny sleeves, he's got sleeves. You don't. It's I like, don't have sleeves. Exactly. <laughs> not a fair fight. How am I supposed to win with this guy's got sleeves on? Yeah, but the problem is, that, see, the thing is, you got guns. See, like, so he has to deal with your guns. It's sleeves, overrated guns, booth, right? Well, okay, no, but really though, like the the empire, the empire dust are kind of. They're super reactive, right? Like you, you set up the trap, you you get yourself in position, you make somebody charge you. They're gonna fail most of their to break most of the units they charge. You kill them in the counter charge, like that's the move. Right. And it's, you, it, you collapse on them, and then you go you collapse yeah. on them. And that's what Empire does. Does it's just about the only way you can play that army. It's very one dimensional. Um, undead actually as a similar grindy type army. You have lots of different ways to play undead. Empire Dust, you really don't get that. You're dependent upon the living legends to make that army playable. Really. Um, yeah, and it's just re- it's just reactionary, right? And so I think the armies, the other armies that I play, that are more uh, fast, go get you. That's just more my play style. Sure. Um, yeah. So I'm feeling a little bit down on that. And then like we've got Crossroads. Keith, Keith is, you know, what are we gonna pl- what armies are we gonna bring for Crossroads? And I'm like, I <laughs> I said I was gonna bring Empire Dust, but now I'm like, oh, do that. So <laughs> yeah, that's where that's where I'm at. So. It's a right. work in progress. We'll we'll keep on it, I guess. But that's me. Anyway, a lot of kill teams, some some games. So that's what do you like? Uh so okay. So I I uh the saga of my bad eyes, right? So I, I got cheaters. Cheaters nothing. I actually went to the optometrist. I my my uh, prescription in one eye is different from prescription in the other eye. That's so annoying. I go into CVS to buy cheaters and I was like, why are these not working? So I ended up getting some nice glasses. I got the magnifying glass. Here we go. Let's go. Um, I have two minis I need to paint for Orktown, right? Actually, I, I have I have a set of like stakes 
that I need to paint as the front line of a pair of units that you, I can say these are bulwarkers with phalanx, right? Um, yep. That should be easy. That's give it a color, give it a wash, give it a dry brush, call it a day. It's wood. a wood stake. Yeah, I think you can handle yeah. wood stakes. Uh, well, I think uh, you we'll see. Right. I swear, my mind went to like like a cut of meat, and you were gonna say <laughs> it's the front of like throwing mastiffs to <laughs> right like goad them uh, into battle. <laughs> Right, which is totally fine. Like you get that either one would this, work. Either one, right? Yes. Either way, right? I have to paint a. Uh, I have to paint a uh, a king on large beast, which for me is another one of those little death balls. Those those tech bet, you know, the yep. the ones that I have for yeah. the one I have, and that one's actually easier because the 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 one that I have the you could the the hatch is open and you see the driver. The other one, the hatch is closed. Should be simple, not a problem. Um, funny story. When I moved, I threw out all my paint. No, really? I did. I threw out all of my now. There's a the difference purpose? between your paint, John, and my paint. My paint is all oh. Michael's paint. Oh, you don't want that anyway. Ninety-seven cents a bottle. Yeah, no, right? no, so, no, no, right. no. So which I ended, I emptied up half of it and then filled the other half with water and shook it, and there you go. But and I was like, well, I don't need these anymore. I want to get some nice paint. You know what's, you know what's trouble. I don't remember the exact shades of that paint. Yeah. So when I go to do the basing, ooh. I have to like, yeah, ooh. It's because right? those paints don't have memorable names. Uh, agreed. Not We've been agreed. over this already, right? <laughs> yes. Bubonic <laughs> brown. Yes. Like, what are you supposed to do with? What am I supposed to do with light opera? green? No, nothing. I'm sorry. This is awful. So I, uh, so I, 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 I cracked out all my paints, and I was like, here we go. Didn't have the right paints to paint the death roller, so instead I'm painting a uh, a, a a goblin, a a Pathfinder goblin character for our Pathfinder campaign. We're doing oh, that's uh, good too. Yeah, yeah, okay. right. So we're we're doing the uh, um, Kingmaker campaign. Kyle is running it. It's awesome, by the way. But you're all goblins, right? Well, yeah. So a couple of us are orcs, and a couple, two of us are goblins. And the idea behind the campaign is you get a charter from a kingdom to go for, to. So essentially, go go into the wilds and form a buffer state between you, between the good kingdom and the evil kingdom next door. And you know the the way the campaign works is you go out into the woods, you kick the crap out of the bandits that are there, you form a city, and then not only do um, you do the heroic things that heroes do, but you also have to like administer the town. And the things that the town can do uh, well are based on the classes and the abilities that the characters have. Oh, right? that's cool. Yeah, so like if you're a wizard, or a, if you're a spellcaster of some sort, then you can have a wizard's tower. You can have a you can have a college. You can have you know something like that. If you if you don't have a wizard in in your group, you can't have that, right? Like your ability to there are like twelve roles that you have to fill, and there some could be filled by you, some could be filled by NPCs. So like when you meet an NPC, you're like you're like you're kind of sizing them up. Like, are you going to be a good constable? In the future, are you a good chief of police? Because I'm not going to be the chief of police. Like I'm a, I'm a bard. I'm a goblin bard. But anyway, so we're we're building um, a a country called Orcs' Bestistan with um three orcs, uh, three of the players are orcs and two of the players are goblins, and I'm a goblin herald essentially who is the chronicler of our escapade. So I went and I bought a couple um Pathfinder goblin characters and I went to go paint them. And you know what? They're really small. They're like, they're like tiny. They're so not heroic my... thirty-two millimeter. No, absolutely not. And they're and they're wee. So I'm sitting there with my glasses, and I got you know, 
I got the magnifying glass, and I'm learning how to paint with the magnifying glass. But the magnifying glass doesn't give you depth perception right. the same way, right? Yeah, so definitely. I'm like, up, oh, right? And here comes the brush. We're going to, oh, that's his hand. All right, we're going to back that up. We're going to fix that up. Going <laughs> in again first. No, nope, that's his hand again. So I don't remember, right? About the seventh time of doing that, I'm sitting at the kitchen table cursing to myself. And my wife is like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm trying to paint this mini and I can't get it to work. And I'm right. It was ridiculous. She goes, just don't use the magnifying glass and just use what did you call them? Washes. I'm like, yeah, she goes, wash the whole thing brown and shut up. You got it. I certainly will. I I will. Yes. Yes, dear. No problem. (laughs) Right. So I'm she's reading... the woman, she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I mean, in a bunch of things, right? So I am, I am relearning how to paint with, uh, with, with, with glasses and just, oh god, I, I'm trying to learn how to paint correctly as opposed to with Michael's paints, right? And well, it's, it's about uh, time. It is about time. I agree with you. Like, it's the juice is going to be worth the squeeze, John. Trust me, right? I hope but, so. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You'll get there. Right. You get there. Um, I, so. you know. Uh, so anyway, your wife though is totally onto something. I don't really use acrylic paints anymore. I am on the models I'm painting right now just because of the color scheme, but um, I I really am a big advocate of the the speed paint, contrast paint products. I think they're phenomenal for people who want to paint something and don't aren't looking for a competition grade paint job. Right. Um, yeah, they're great. You should. You really should try them. Hmm. I, I think you get very decent results for less effort, basically. Right. That's how I did the Armada fleet. I did the um, really the uh, what was it called? The controversial uh, uh, slap chop method that I talked slap about chop. before. I don't just know. Uh, like sprayed them black, then like three different shades of gray dry brush, um, from a dark to a medium to a light gray, and then went to white on the extreme like edges Mm -hmm. and then went over that with contrast paint and sealed it with a matte varnish. Wow. I got to tell you, they came out so good. They're gorgeous. Yeah. And it was fun to do, you know, it's, it's not the fun. The fun part about the contrast or speed paints or whatever product you're choosing to use for that is it comes together quick and it's rewarding. Yeah. Right. It, It looks good. It looks really good, especially for the effort that you put in, right? And there's a part of me that tries to be like, I'm counter with everything. So I'm like, you know, no, I'm going to do this the right way. Like when I when I went to learn guitar and I was learning how to do chords, I was like, I'm not going to do um, a, a capo, right? I'm not going to do I'm not going to do like a, a slider capo on the fret. I'm going to use to do I'm going to learn to do it with my fingers, right? And this and it took me so much longer to learn how to do stuff that way because I was just being stubborn. Right. But why not just use like technology in every other part of my life? Technology makes your life easier. And I'm like, yeah, I'm an advanced tool user. Why would I make my life harder for this one thing? Like, what am yes, I proving? you do. You know, <laughs> seriously, you know. Oh, then I yeah, went back, like I said, to painting dwarfs in my very old, uh, you know, fashioned any layers of. Um, right. <laughs> thin paints so you know yes but it's gorgeous so you know if it wasn't gorgeous i would say what are you doing but it really oh my god in in uh in 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 face to face in person my god right so anyway that's that's a spoiler hey greg's army is gorgeous who knew Jeez, right so good looking (laughs) 
Well, let's uh, let's hit like maybe one book or media, um, other media that we've been um, enjoying since the last yeah. episode, and then then I'll we'll go. dive into the the GP yeah. itself. But, I'll go first. I'm diving in. I'm 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 buttoning this time because actually I have something to say. Uh, okay, so I read. I'm in the middle. I'm 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 halfway through the last book of the trilogy for they call it the Powder Mage trilogy. It's a set of three books um, by Brian McClellan. Um, and I, I had spoken about the Django Wexler books, which I loved, which starts with the thousand names. They're really good. And so I was waxing poetic um, to, on, uh, and talking to uh, some other people on another thread. And uh, Keith Randall was like, well, if you love those, you will totally love these. You will double love these. Um, so it's, Essentially, it is uh, it, once again set in that uh, late 1700s um, technology. So there's gunpowder and um, and you know just like this you know, late Renaissance, uh, early modern period uh, with magic, right? And so there's magic comes in a couple different forms. There's like the lowest form of magic are guys that like are they call them knacked, k n a c k e d, and uh, they have like a knack for something. Oh look, no, I'm, no, they're just, I'm an they're... right. I'm I'm an amazing baker, right? Or I can tell, um, like one of the guys, one of the main characters is a inspector who has an eidetic memory. He never forgets anything, and so he will go to a room, he will look around, and he will leave, and then he will think about what he saw to get clues, right? Um, you know, there's another guy who is an act who doesn't sleep. He doesn't need sleep, so he ends up being like a bodyguard for one of the main generals, right? Um. And then the, the super powerful mages are called privileged, and they have the ability to um, uh, move the elements around, right? Fire, water, air, that kind of stuff um, uh, with their hands. Uh, and then the last group is a group called the powder mages, and essentially they can um, they work with gunpowder. So if I'm standing next to you and you have a gun, I can make your gun go off or I can make the, the, the gunpowder in the pan blow up in your face, right? Or I can shoot my gun and have the powder shoot the bullet stronger with my force of will and it'll go through like a sheet of iron, right? Or I can use the, the force from, a, from, a, from an explosion to bend a bullet and make it go around a, a, a wall. But it's all example, about right? gunpowder. Right. It's all about gunpowder as this special thing that like um, guys can use. Right. Okay. Um, but the cool thing about it is it starts. It's very interesting. Like the the. Uh, it, it starts with a coup where the king of a kingdom is about to like sign a treaty to give the neighboring kingdom um, like a boatload of power over it because the guy's like totally in debt. It's an awful mm. king. And a general does a, a coup and essentially like murders him. And so the first couple pages of the book are like the general is done with the coup. He has killed the king and or captured the king and killed the royal cabal of privileged mages who serve him, except for one of the mages who got away. Right. And it's like that's the setup for the book. So I was like, I am hooked. Please continue. This is amazing. Right. Um, I do have to say that Django Wexler's. Um, thousand names i think is better the magic system is more interesting um and it is more character driven and and uh like there's the plot is dense on these 
right? So it's like this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And there's a couple parallel stories that are going on all at once. Um, I don't want to give away the ending or any of the middle, but like it's sure. really interesting and I'm like hooked. But the writing is such where I'm like, I'm I'm getting fatigued from all of the stuff that's happening. Right. You know, I'm I'm almost done with it, and I'm like, I just want this to be kind of. It's not that I don't want it to be kind of over, but at the same time, I'm like, ooh, another chapter, another stunning twist. Can we just drive in a direction for a bit, please? Right? Yeah. Um. You know, not to say that it's not all cool, but it's a lot. You know, but it's it's super interesting. I I I like the time period to set magic. Um. I'm also like, I don't know. I I'm into like cyberpunk and and and. Uh, and the old neuromancer stuff. So what would happen if like there were magicians or if there was technology that was just like magic now, like what right. would it be like? You know, I'm, I'm down with that too. So anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with that trilogy. It's worth a read. Um, it's, uh, it's called the powder mage trilogy, the powder mage trilogy. Yeah. And it, uh, the guys, the guy's uh, name is McClellan. And the first book in the series is called the promise of blood. So now, you know, cool. But, Oh, Oh, and the other thing that's cool is like, there are nine kingdoms, and uh, way back in time, there was, uh, you know, the gods walked the earth. There were nine gods. There was the key chief god and his eight siblings, and they founded the nine kingdoms. So each of the kingdoms is tied to a specific god. Hmm. And, like, the whole first book, you find that one of the privileged is trying to resurrect or bring back one of the gods to, to, the, you know, to the earth. And the other ones are like, what is happening? Why are you trying to do this? And it's it's super interesting. That part is super cool, right? But anyway, all right, I'm going to leave it at that. So. It sounds good and probably something that a lot of our listeners would like. Yeah, I would, like to, I would think so, right? And yeah. once again, Keith Randall gave me the, gave me the, uh, gave me the recommendation. So. Cool. Yeah. If you don't like it, blame Keith. If you love it, blame yeah. Dude, you, you like yeah obviously everyone knows <laughs> uh-huh john how about you uh, i finished reading a black library so 40k novel called um the great work and it's about uh belisarius call who's a character from the 40k universe who made um not the original space marines but he made the the new primaris marines it's like Ooh. a tech priest um, and it was pretty good. It was, you know, it's Black Library, so your expectations are not for an amazing literary masterpiece, but just for something fun. And I find that um, I read I read different things when I'm, like, commuting to work or driving than I do when I'm painting. When I'm painting, I enjoy listening. Like, I'm painting Space Marines, and I like listening to a book about Space Marines. It, like, really gets me into the, <laughs> the vibe, like, makes me excited about the thing I'm painting. Right. Um, so this book kind of did that. I had this... You know, a story about um, this this tech mage, and he is encountering this chapter of Space Marines, and there's um, something wrong with their world, and so they go on this big exploration, and you learn a little bit about, like, the history of um, where Primera Space Marines came from, and how Belisarius Call became the guy who would make the next generation of Space Marines, and so uh, it, was, it was good. Again, I'm not going to... Um, say it was amazing literary work but it was entertaining uh and that's enough for me nice uh i'm not going to talk about books because i'm in the middle of finishing up a couple different things i'd rather finish them before i discuss uh so instead i want to talk about a tv show 
that Ooh. my wife and I have been watching that we are so incredibly hooked on. And uh, it's been out for a little while, but it's one that like I haven't really heard other people talking about. It's called Yellow Jackets. And Oh, tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah, so this is um, it's on its second season right now. It is not the type of show where all of the episodes are released at once. So you can watch the whole first season, and I think we're like halfway through the second season right now, something like that. They come out every mm -hmm. couple weeks. Um, it's on Showtime. We're watching it through Hulu. I think you can watch it on Paramount+. Plus. There's so many ways to watch shows now. But basically, here's here's the setup for this show. Yellow Jackets is the mascot from this high school in New Jersey. And the protagonists are were members of the high school varsity girls soccer team in 1996. And the team was incredible. And they won states, they won regionals, and they punched their ticket to nationals. So they were on a plane flying from New Jersey to, I believe, Seattle. I think somewhere in Washington state for nationals and the plane goes down and crash lands in the wilderness of Western Canada. And oh they are um, like missing for 18 months and have to survive. That's a long time. And they are eventually rescued and not all of them made it. And those who did survive, basically vowed to each other never to talk about what happened. Ah. Clear some pretty messed up stuff happened. Um, and now it's 25 years later. So they are adults. They have tried to varying degrees of success to live normal lives, but the specter of this traumatic event has always hung over them. And for some reason... They are being drawn back together. They haven't really stayed in contact and something bad is happening. And the show is pretty equally split between um, showing you them in the 25 years later, which is like 2021, and showing them uh, during this time in the wilderness. So it... And it, it, both of those takes are in chronological order, but it like skips back and forth. So you see them before they leave and the soccer team and you get to know them and then you see the crash and what happens and you see them as adults and trying to cope and then being drawn back together. And the acting in it is just really, really good um, at both levels. And so you get this wonderful character development because you see them as teenagers and you see them as adults. And it's got this like mystery thriller vibe to it where you don't know exactly what has happened when they were stranded in the wilderness, but you know it's bad. It might be something supernatural that has happened. You're really not sure at this point. And the stuff that's mm. going on now in the present also might have some supernatural element to it. Even in the second season, you're not quite uh, sure yet. I think it's just a lot of the great shows kind of in this genre that we've enjoyed run for multiple seasons often like 
they hit a point where they get worse because each season is kind of its own self-contained plot. And then you can tell that they're maybe running out of ideas or they fall into this trap of like the next season has to be bigger with even more twists, yeah, more yeah. craziness. Whereas this is clearly like we've mapped out this story that we're going to tell you from start to finish and it takes multiple seasons, but here it is. Um, so I'm just really, really into it. Um, that's my complaint with with shows in general. Is oftentimes it feels like it just the overarching storyline doesn't make sense because they're trying to have these mini storylines be the focus of an individual season. Yeah, agree. I totally get that. Oh, I love it. Um, it does because it cuts back and forth. I think the pacing is a little slow, but I don't I like that because it's a I love the mystery element to it. So I enjoy like slowly learning more about both um, timelines, but I could see that for some people being a complaint. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I definitely think you should check it out. Yellow Jackets, uh, wherever you can watch it. That's awesome. Cool. You guys want to go for a quick break and then we'll come back. Yeah, and that's a good idea. About the Unplugged GT? GT 2023 happened the other weekend in Milford, Massachusetts. Is that the uh, Milford the town? Outside of Boston. Oh, Milford, Massachusetts. Yeah, on, the set the scene for us. What was going on? Uh, well, we played five games of Kings of War at 1,995 points. The best size to play at. Everyone, um, knows. everyone knows it's the best. We had 26 players. Um, we had a charity raffle, as Greg told you about. We um, we did the normal Unplug GT stuff. So we had fixed maps per round, including the tokens pre-placed on the maps, which is a kind of a never seen it done anywhere else. It's a unique thing. Right. Um, we played five scenarios, which were selected at random, which uh, got some people a little riled up. Greg, uh, which worked out okay for you in the long run, anyway, but. <laughs> in the moment right. maybe thought it was a little bit um discriminatory uh and yeah we had a great time so overall that's what we did right welcome and to the club club greg by the way yeah invade followed by fool's gold you're killing me <laughs> right totally the yep yeah and it's all keith's fault because i told i i Keith, like, I can't, he's like, he just had a baby, like, the week before the GT. So I was like, he's like, I can't come. Okay, I get it, Keith, fine. Uh, right. Way to bail on me, bro. How dare you? <laughs> um, but I said, well, maybe you could help me out by uh, making the maps and doing the scenario selection. And so it's all his fault, man. He picked the scenarios, Greg. He's just, uh, I'm cool with it. Yeah. Give him help. Right. So, Rob, so you guys, what, you guys what, played what did you bring? What did you bring, my friend, to this illustrious grand tournament? Well, let me tell you. So uh, you would think it was dwarves, but no. Totally false. Greg took dwarves. Um, what is going on? It's bizarre. Doesn't make any sense, right? 
So I ended up, um, Corey and I, uh, Corey Walliser and I came and, uh, uh, for pe- for for listeners who don't know, um, uh, one of the members of our club and a long time, a 30 year friend of mine, um, Russ, mm-hmm. uh, Hazen passed away, um, a couple months ago and, you know, he, he, had, he, he was a Kings of War player. He was a player of a bunch of other games. He, I mean, you know, I've gamed with him once a week now for forever. And um, Corey and I both took uh, Russ's armies uh, to the Unplugged GT as a way to kind of honor him. Um, and so uh, Corey took uh, Russ's Rakin, and I took uh, Russ's Pride and Realms of Neuritica, right? And uh, and it, it, I ended up taking a, a list that I had no idea what I was doing, which is kind of like, you know, par for the course, to be honest. If it isn't worse, I have no idea how to run it. And, um, but it was, it was very gorgeous. It was, uh, you know, two regiments of, um, uh, Nyad heart piercers and a horde of Nyad and snares. And the way that Russ had designed it is he, he, he actually, um, bought the, the, the Sigmar boat ruins and then put the uh, naiads all through it right it's um, like a shipwreck with the naiads it's a shipwreck overrunning it yeah they, with the naiads overrunning all it to like one complete yeah it's a very right? cool and, model but it's actually a terrain piece i think and i just yeah and he had he had repurposed it as and you know based it in such a way that you, it was two two regiments in a horde and then there were two um hordes of uh the worm riders uh which are like these kraken octopus things that were half in the water and half out with riders um and then he also had uh or i also took um two uh regiments of water elementals with a um a uh a, a deep one um character with the book to allow me to surge a little bit and then i also had um uh a deep eternal with um with bane chant that would run around and kind of help and there were a couple other units in the army none, none of it very good um I say that the army was probably great. I just had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but right. But it was one of those things where Corey and I were like, listen, we're going to go, we're going to do this thing. How we finish doesn't matter. Just, you know, we're going to go in with the way that Russ would have gone in, which, which would have been like, I'm happy to be here. Let's roll some dice. Have you drank enough? No, here, let me help you. Right. Like that, you know, he, 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 um, unless it was board gaming, he really didn't, really didn't have a lot of like uh, I, I gotta win dude this is time to win but right? he was really just happy to be there and the community was a big part um and if you've ever been to a, an event with russ and with the rest of the horde he was usually the guy playing board games in the back and handing out drinks to everybody and just talking about like different painting techniques and just he he loved the hobby and he loved the game and he loved the community and uh and i loved him and so it was it was it was worth doing you know but anyway that's that's what i took yeah, I gotta say it was um, it was a beautiful sentiment, and it was a truly beautiful army. Uh, <laughs> the ratkin that that Corey brought were also gorgeous. Um, right. They were models that I had mostly seen before. Mm-hmm. This Trident Realm army was like, you know, it came out of the blue, the yeah. best kept yeah. secret. Like it was, oh my gosh, and it it was gorgeous. So it was really. Yeah. Um, Great to see you out running it, and a, a pleasure that I, you know, um, foreshadowing a little bit. But I got to play against both you and Corey, so you did. Awesome. You totally did. 
Right. <laughs> and it's it's funny. Like you look at the, you look at the army, and just just to indulge me for a minute, there are parts of it that are like you're like you look at you go, wow, that's so shiny for parts of it. But what he did was, if you look at the naiads, the parts that are either supposed to be underwater or are like fish fishy skin Limey. are shiny, yeah. and the other stuff is matte. And so when you look at like the naiad and snare army or, or the 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 horde. The the skin is all shiny and all of the armor is matte, right? When you look at it until you get down to the legs and then it's kind of shiny down there because it's wet, right? And I was I remember talking to him about it. He goes, "Yeah, I think this is going to look cool." And when he was done, he was like, "It's not as cool as I thought it was, but it's still <laughs> it's still cool." Like if I explain to somebody, they get the point across, right? And and it was it, I don't know it was it was that kind of attention to detail that I thought was was pretty pretty impressive and pretty amazing, you know. Um, I, I I do have to say I got a lot of people that came over and the people that knew what I was doing were like, this is really awesome. Um, I'm glad you brought this. And the people that didn't know were like, this is like they were looking at the boat with all the dudes on it and go, that's awesome. How did you do that? And I'm like, buddy, that's not to do with me. Like, <laughs> you're the wrong guy, right? And do you not listen to my podcast? Like, I have no uh, idea what I'm with doing. With a carton right. full of Michael's paints and some cheaters, baby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dude, I got a roller and a bad left eye. Like, I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> what are we doing here? But anyway, so, so that's what I took. And uh, it was interesting. I, I at, at the end of the weekend, I, I see kind of how the army works. Um, but just literally by like day two, I was like, I'm just playing for ties, yep. you know? Greg, you want to talk about what you took? Because I, I love your list. I stole parts of it, by the way, Thank for you. the Masters. Uh, like, yeah. literally, I haven't looked in my case. You stole <laughs> them off. I should, to be honest. <laughs> right? You're not using this. You only take that. Thanks. All right. So um, <laughs> I had two regiments of Iron Guard, both with Throwing Mastiffs, one with Liliana's Tear. I think we talked about this before. It's 5.9. It makes you immune to uh, Brutal, Dread, and Shattering. Mm -hmm. Which is uh, to distinguish do. which unit is represented by the Longbeards. The Vanilla unit is um, uh, Ironbreakers. Uh, a troop of Berserkers with the Skirmishers boots. A horde of Shieldbreakers with the Throwing Mastiff and Sir Jesse's boots of Striding. Two troops of Sharpshooters. Horde of Elementals with Brew of Sharpness, two Iron Belcher Organ Guns, Alex Fury, Battle Driller, Stone Priest with Surge, Banechant, and Conjurer Staff, and Faber Ironheart. Oh, Faber, my favorite. He's really good. He's super good. He's yeah, really, really yeah, he's good. great. Come on, right? So he's so good that it's not worth taking the generic version of him. Well, I'm, I am debating. Um, I would love to have two <laughs> steel juggernauts. I know at twenty three hundred points, and I'm debating if it's worth like to try and fit it in, just dropping him to the generic because it's twenty five points less. Uh, to so you can take him. Um, maybe you're maybe. only taking one. I mean, it's got to be favor for 25 points. You get wild charge, you get two more attacks and two more points of nerve. Um, uh, it's a no brainer. Gotta, buddy, I got to tell you, the dash 13 with five attacks is so underwhelming, both defensive and yeah. offensive. It, 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 
for 25 points, like it's not worth for 150. I look, I always look at that and go, what else could I have taken? Mm. You know, I, I think it depends on the context of the list too. But um, yeah, he's sure. he's really good. He's like a no a no brainer. Uh, unfortunately, I think Gallic kind of is too. I don't know. You could probably run a list without him. He is expensive, but he does a thing that he's the only one who can yeah. do that thing. So. Absolutely. He, he, the resilience that he brings to the, li- uh, anyway, I, I could talk. Yeah. About if you want that, you have to take him. It's, it's obvious. Yep. Yep. So that was the list. And, uh, it's a lot of defense six. It's, um, medium. Uh, I don't know what I think is like a medium amount of shooting. Um, and some not terrible offense in, in melee. Most of it hits on threes. Um, Right, that which makes a big difference. Dalek yeah. and uh, the Battle Driller. So yeah, there it is. So John, I I want to ask you, besides our two lists, what were your <laughs> thoughts about the lists that were submitted for the event? Uh, anything stand out to you? Yeah, or were you know what were your ge- your general thoughts about like you saw all twenty six of us? Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I suppose 1995 we could bring, you know, um, I'm not sure that I have any amazing insights into that. Um, I mean, I saw a lot of the same things. So the, some of the same stuff you're used to seeing, you know, you look at some person's army list and you're like, yep, that's what they failed, which is fine. I'm not, I don't mean that to be a bad thing at all. Like some people have a, mm-hmm. have a groove or that's what they hang up. So that's what they play. And that's totally fine. Um, the, the, there weren't some armies represented at all which always makes me wonder, you know, is that just people's model collection or is that there a rules reason that the, those armies aren't represented now in Kings of war? I, I believe there's something like 26 armies and we had 26 players. So it, it wasn't right. Uh, obviously a one-to-one ratio. So you would expect right. there to be some missing, but um, you know, like nobody played Rordia. No, no um, goblins, no goblins, orcs. no. Orcs. no yeah. So, so wow. Uh, yeah, some unexpected ones that I, I I guess I expected to see. A Twilight Kin. There was no, there was Kingdoms of Men. There was um, okay. no, no Twilight Kin. Um, no herd. Yeah, so so more of that. <laughs> just the, you know, the mix of armies was not quite what I expected to see. Um, more so than individual lists that kind of caught me off guard. I can see that. I it was interesting to me because when mm-hmm. I went down to the pilgrimage. I remember making the argument or making the comment that a lot of the, like there were, you know, I was, there were five dwarf players there. Right. And I remember being like, wow, all of these, if I took the first 2000 points, they look the same. Right. As, as, as uh, they're all the same. And there was a lot of samey going on. Uh, looking at this tournament, I was looking around and maybe once again, cause the numbers are smaller. But still, I was looking around and going, ah, 26 people. It's like no one's taking a lot of the same thing, you know, even if they doubled up on the same army. The the armies looked very different. Very different. Right. Yeah. I don't know whether 1995 does that or not. I just, I, I don't have a feel, right? The, the sample size. Uh, I noticed that, for example, yeah. there were a couple of um, undead armies, but they were very different from each other. They were very They're different. Kind of yeah. Undead, because undead's one of those armies that's so good it can play multiple styles, but. Yeah, you also have people in the meta that influence that too. Like if you look at someone like Jeff Manning, right, who's got an un- who plays an undead right. army, he's not chasing the meta. 
No. Right. And you when you go down to the to the pilgrimage, um, different group of people, you might find people there that you you don't see in the northeast so much trying to chase the meta, which is why you see the sameness. Like, well, that's what's good, so that's what we're taking. Right. Somebody like Jeff is just not gonna do that. No. Jeff so is his, like vampires are cool. Yeah, and exactly. So his cool. his army's gonna look more unique than might you what you might expect to see at some other events. Right. You know, it it is really funny because I'm I mean I'm, Jeff is part of my club. And one, he's enthusiastic about everything. Yeah. To the nth degree. And two, he's like, werewolves are like awesome, right? Triple exclamation point. They're so cool. Four exclamation points. And then he sends a picture, and I'm like, shit, that's awesome. Yes, I totally agree with you, right? Whatever he's painting is the coolest <laughs> thing in the world. And I agree with him when he's done painting it. It really is. He's an artist, you know? And that's how kind of how he got into the hobby, too. Yeah, and his, you know? his enthusiasm is um, it's contagious. It's amazing. I've only right? had the pleasure so to play against him once, but it was great. And it, it, when he's in the room, it, it, you know, feel it. So just, I, I don't know. I'm going to share it anyway. His nickname, <laughs> a couple of the other guys call him because he's got like the most gorgeous hair and right. He's, he's, he's all buff and shit, but he's five foot six. Some people call him dollar store Thor, <laughs> which I think is the best name in the world for <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Right. But when you meet him, it's like, yeah, it's totally awesome. Right. It's the coolest. Right. Well, I agree with you. Whatever it is we're talking about, it's totally cool. Right. But anyway, neither here nor there. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask another question, Greg, when you came into the, into the event, you were looking at it and going, I'm going to paint what I like to paint. And I'm going to make an army that makes sense based on what I'm used to. And I yeah, opened up, I found out that's uh, like rewinding oh, to two years ago. When I decided I wanted right? to play dwarves. When you said you're going to do dwarves, right? And and me, up until a week before the event, I was like, I'm going to take I'm going to take ogres because that's what we were able to find in Russ's place. Right. And we were able, I like on a Tuesday, on Monday before the event, we opened up a, you know, we were digging through his stuff and we found a Tupperware and I opened it up and it's like, oh my god, there's an entire Trident Trouser in here, <laughs> right? So. You and I were both like I had no I had no army I had no experience you had no experience you walk into the event you're like what are my expectations here right like for me I was like if I walk out of here two two and one or whatever even happens to look like I'll be super stoked right yeah for something you've never never used before you like you have to expect you're gonna blow it on some games. Yeah, just totally. on ad deployment or something where you just didn't well, know. Take three games to figure out what the army does, and then be like, yeah. okay, I have a feel for it, right? Totally. So, Greg, Greg, for you when you were walking in, did you have any expectations for the army and how you're going to perform? I mean, well, a couple of things. So, one, after again rewinding a couple of weeks, you had made the comment about a lot of the dwarf armies at pilgrimage were kind of the same building blocks, the same two thousand points or whatever. I like right. messaged you and I was like, oh gosh, what are those points? I hope that's not what I have. Like for me, it's always important that I bring something that's like unique, even if it's an army other people are playing. I don't want it to be right. the same thing. <laughs> so I was like, I, right? I don't want anyone to look at me and think I'm jumping on a bandwagon. And you're like, no, it's not. I was like, all right, good. Um, no. So, so I, I want to piggyback on that because a couple of years ago, when I was toying with ideas for dwarves, you had sent me a thing where, like, I know that you're looking at these other uh, these other units, but have you thought about Iron Guard? 
And I remember like you and I went back and forth for a while and you were like, dude, you need to look at these for 150 points, 165 with the Mastiffs. You can pair it with the defense six and the hitting on threes. Yeah, they do. They do one and a half less wounds per round compared to Earth Elementals, but they're 50 points cheaper. And wouldn't it be cool? And so that was the beginning of me looking at the li- of, of developing that list, mm-hmm. right? And then you played it a lot, actually. Well, I, I played the shit out of it, right? Yeah. In order to like get it to, to figure out how it worked. Because if you're going to do something, you have to do it 20, 30, 50 times in order to kind of feel the stress test it, right? You do. Yeah. To know yep. what it's good at, you know? Um, and the, one of the things that I think that is, I will mention in passing when we talk, like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. You and me spoke, and then I did this. And then I'm the one taking the army. Right, I'm stealing your idea for the for the uh, the flame priest. Yeah. By the way, because a a flame belcher is what eighty five ninety points ninety yeah ninety and the flame priest that puts out almost the same hurt with way more maneuverability, right, and way more um, ability to avoid damage and to put the, the hurt out is another twenty for the same damage output. I'm like that is genius. I am stealing that idea. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah. So Thank that guy you. just to, to mention that he's not in this 1995 point list, but I want to put him in uh, my 2300. And Mike and I talked about it because you're just casting fireball with him instead. So, so Flame Priest has fireball six. He's kind of cheap to start. You can bump him as an upgrade that gives him fireball ten, and then you could take Diadem of Dragonkind to make it fireball sixteen. Ah. Um, and he comes to one ten. Yeah. Flame Belcher is uh, pretty similar. It's cheaper at 90, but it's war engine, so it's a little clunkier. That is maneuverable. People right. get triple attacks against it, yada, yada. Right. Uh, the Flame Belcher also has uh, 10, 12 nerve. The Flame Priest has 11, 13. 11, 13, um, yeah. But at the, I was looking for an excuse to use Long Drum. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I use if you've seen my army, the Long Drong Slayer Pirates, as my throwing mastiffs. I was like, Long Drong himself is freaking cool. He's got this, you know, peg leg, the eye patch, the big beard, the bandana, and all the pistols. He's got all the right? pistols. He's got a parrot. I'm like, what's kind of similar right. in rules to a throwing mastiff? The 12 inches, you know, uh, hits on fours, piercing one. I'm like, well, the the fireball, you know, it's not piercing, but it's shattering, and he's good enough. Right. He does it every time. Um, but yeah, I think it. I think it adds that nice little like icing on the cake of when you're like focus firing on somebody, and you can throw in and get that extra damage in theory, anyway, and the shattering, or you know, something right. obnoxious flies over your head like some gargoyles, and you can turn and just remove them from the table. So just melt them. Right. That's the thought. So, you know, as we're, as we're talking about this, I can feel Keith yelling, Keith Conroy yelling at the, at his, at his iPod, iPod at his, at his, whatever, at his phone. (laughs) He's he's stuck in 2007. (laughs) He is. Right. He's just yelling at his phone and going, why don't you take a flame belcher? They're so good." good. I see it. Right, they are, yeah. but I th- actually think that this is kind of cool, right? So, and so I'm going to be, I'm going to be using. Well, I, like, I like the thought process on it that it, it right? kind of does the same thing, but it's got one higher nerve, and you get some of the benefits out of it. For 20 points, I think you can make that justification. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be good in the late game. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, I mean, I, I never had my war machines last unless I'm totally dominating the game. My war machines all die, yeah. right? But having a bro that can hide behind other stuff, I don't know, right? So uh, to answer your question of what were my expectations, um, I was just hoping to give everyone a competitive game. I wasn't concerned about, you know, win-loss draw. I just wanted games to be close because, again, this list was written all 100% in theory. Um, not that I don't trust my ability to put together a, a competent list, but, I mean, obviously, when you're playtesting and revising stuff, it's going to be better than your first pass right. based on the models you want to paint. I don't know. <laughs> so... Well, usually, I mean, like, I hope I play this well <laughs> enough that it makes the games uh, competitive. I mean, that, and t- to be honest, that is a legitimate, like, you want to go, you want to feel like you're in the game. You don't want to feel like you're getting steamrolled. You also want to make sure that you're giving your opponent a good game. And yep, that's part of it. Yep. Right. And, and to John's credit, the way that he runs the Unplugged GT, it is literally a third for pave for for paint a third for sports a third for battle so as unlike a lot of tournaments where it's like 80 percent of your points is battle and also the point spread for sports is is uh everyone gets a 20 to a 25 and for paint everyone gets a 20 to a 30 let's go yeah this is a uh, much more right um actually a much more competitive event in a different sense because of that that. yeah agreed Yeah, some, and people ask me about that. So there's some new people to the event that never been before. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't understand how this works. It's like, listen, man, you, you get a rank. Like, I for your pay, you don't get a paint score. I'm literally going to line your armies up in the room and say, this is the best one, and this is better than the one to the left, and it's better than the one to the left of that, and just put them in row. Um, so it's different, yeah, it's you know? Different. That's it's It's a different field. It is a, like, your sportsmanship or, you know, favorite opponent, whatever, is a direct competition, and it is a big part of your score. So, you know, the overall is heavily weighted on those things, and and you're getting a distribution across the scores. I love that part. It's different. Yep. It's, I, I don't want to say it's right or wrong or better. It's just, it's... The only event a, that does it that way. It's the only event well, that does it. It is much more paint and, and, and sports focused than uh, any I, other I, event, I think. I am going to highlight the fact that we use this system to determine the Paragon at Masters when we hosted Masters. And I still think that is the best Paragon scoring, hands down. Hands down. I will will talk math with anybody who wants to argue with me. But I think that in determining the person who is the best at all three parts of the hobby, that is the method to do Mm -hmm. it. Because a lot of tournaments will come in and say that, yes, we count sports, but the sports points are actually, like I said, like the lowest score is a 25 and the highest score is a 30. It's like, well, they only get five points. It's really only worth five points, yeah. Right, the spread is not big enough to justify what you're doing. Yeah, when your battle point total is like 100 to 120, your cap having a five-point spread for another category. Yeah, it's less than 1%. Or, or let, let, let's uh, it's on the order of single digit percent, right? right? So, right, literally, literally, when when the lowest yeah. points, if you lose every single game in blackjack, you walk out of there with what, uh, twenty five points, and the maximum is one hundred and twenty five, right? Did I get that yeah. right? It feels right. I don't know, something like that. So you have like a hundred point spread, 
but all the other stuff is only five or ten. It's like that's not equivalent. I'm sorry, it's not the same. So for Paragon scoring, I I will petition this. Anyway, neither here nor there. But if you're listening to this, trust me, it's I'm right. That's all there is to it. Please message me directly if you want to disagree. Totally mm. cool. I we agree. <laughs> well, I mean, we do. It's like because we're we all we're all very smart. Um, yeah, that's it. We're smarter than you. Take that. How dare you? That's not what I said. I said we're smart. <laughs> I translated it for you. <laughs> you. You did. You did a fantastic job. Smug, coming at you. Anyway, um, so I'm I'm actually going to ask a question of John. John, so uh, we 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 held the tournament this year at uh, TJ's Cafe. Yep. Right. Um, and games, which is a really great venue. In so far as uh, speaking as a guy who runs a uh, a tournament at a, at a game, game store. store. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, a board game cafe slash, you know, event center. Um, TJ's is what is, is, uh, I, I, it's, it's very similar to the fortress, the fortress of gaming, um, in Albany, but boy, your food is much better. Your ice cream is better. Here we go. Right. Like it's, I, I, I look forward after last year to walking in and literally I was talking to Corey on the drive out and being like, I gotta get myself a peanut butter and jelly. Um, uh, milkshake. I have to do it. <laughs> right? There's no, no toys about it. Right? Like, the food is very good. The food is very good. Um, what were your thoughts about the venue? Uh, either of you. Uh, Greg, why don't you go for it? I have, I have thoughts, but you were a participant, so... Yeah, I love the size of the your, venue. Your thoughts are more um, interesting. It's really big. It's spacious. It's well-ventilated. We had a, a, like a private room in the back or the event this year, which was nice. It meant there was less interaction with like the rest of the public who were in the game store, which has its pros and cons. There were, were still some who wandered through and were taking a look and, and talking to me about uh, my army. They were asking questions about Kings of War, which was cool, but it was also a little quieter, you know. Um, the only yeah. thing I would have liked better about that room it was a little darker than the main area and i would like bright yep. lighting in the event yeah um but i do love you know the cafe on site is nice i could get a coffee they actually added since last time i was there um uh, a vegan food option so that was nice <laughs> and also because it's just such a well-stocked store is you know an event where you're giving out store credit as prizes it's not like anybody is afterwards like, ah, oh, I don't know what I'm going to find. You literally it. get like, you want board games? Here's like 500 different board games in stock. You like D&D? &D? Here's right, every supplement right. and accessory ever for D&D. &D. Like, let's go. Yeah. You like miniatures? Well, unfortunately, they don't carry Mantic, which is its own side story. But they've got all <laughs> these other manufacturers and all this well-stocked product. Great. You like dice right well we've got uh all different sorts of dice for you to peruse you like card games we've got card games like you like out the wazoo yeah, just yeah. anything so that from that perspective it's just good location yeah it, it was it, and it's easy to get to and 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 um i i liked it in so far as uh, you know, I, I don't know. I've never been to like a board game cafe where I, I walk up to the to the place to order and it's like, would you like a frap or like a milkshake? No problem. 
But also, would you like the, I think they had like the Italian poo-poo platter <laughs> where it's like, would you like, right? Would you like like two, a cheese there and see a giant board. meatball? Two, right. It's similar. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I kind of do. I kind of do want that. Thank you. Here, here's $11. Thank you very much. <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy. Right. Um, I did also notice uh, last year, it was actually really cool to your point, Greg. There were a lot of people because we were last year we were out in the open, like we were out in the main floor, like the main floor, yeah, yeah, and people were walking by and being like, "What is this game?" And I'm like, "Oh, let me show you, right?" And there was some of that. I like being an ambassador for people that walk up and go, "This looks really cool. Tell me about it." I'm like, "Oh, I will. Let me tell you all about it." Right. Um, so being in the back room was cool because we had a little bit of privacy, but at the same time, I was like, "It would be nice to be out in the main room." Right to have the magic floppers and some other people walk over and go, "Oh my God, what is this?" And it's like, "Well, let me wait, let me show you the joy that is tabletop gaming." Mm -hmm. You know, um, so you know, there's pros and cons. Um, I do have to say that the cool thing for me, uh, and I will raise this: the the weekend that you chose was the same weekend as a gaming convention, as an overall gaming convention called Rising Phoenix, right. which literally was five minutes away from your venue. Same so, town, right, right into yeah, yeah. same town. It was great. So Corey and I and a bunch of other people, we registered to play games on Friday at Rising at Rising Phoenix Game Convention, um, and then we hung out there that night. And then I stayed at the hotel for the hotel for you know, for the con rate, and then came out drive five minutes to go and and uh, and and go to the tournament. It was it was pretty awesome. Yeah, not um, not an honest. intentional partnership, but it it does work out. Yes, yeah, totally right. Um, super happy about that. To be honest, so on Friday, uh, Corey and I and uh, a couple of the guys from our club, we drove out early uh, and played uh, a one o'clock game and a five o'clock game. So I ended up playing like a game called Everdell, which is a board game that's super cool, and uh, and Ark Nova at night, and then spent the night hanging out with everybody else who had rolled into town from the GT, uh, who had actually stayed at the at the same hotel. So we were all hanging out drinking, and the next day we all amassed over it at uh, at TJ's. And descended upon them and played in the tournament that you were running. It was it was it was really awesome. It was really just really good. You know, it, talk about serendipity. You know, yeah, it, it, and it was the same. It was the same thing last year too. So those, uh, yep. it was the same day. So it lined up perfectly. Um, you know, my thoughts on the on the venue are it's it's a lot of the stuff you guys said. I the back room is nice. Um, it, by the way, they had just opened this back room, so they expanded their gaming space, added probably another. Oh my gosh, I don't know how big that another what do you think that was like 40 by 100 maybe? Oh my god, yeah. It's so like, big. Like 4000 more square feet or something area. like we that. We were like very a, well spaced out for our event. Yeah, we had I think they they had enough room back there for 15 tables, but but very very right? spaced out. Very very luxuriously spaced. Yeah. But um they had just opened that room I don't know, maybe a month ago. It had been like a storage room before. Um, and they need to upgrade the lighting. I I totally agree. Um, a little dark, yeah. A little dark, but otherwise, uh, great. And, and yeah, the advantages of being in the main space. Like at, at one point, I walked out into the main room, and I shit you not, there was a table of people playing Eighth Edition Warhammer Fantasy Battle Triumph and Mother Effing Treachery. What? <laughs> I was like, what yeah, is this? Great what expansion. is expansion? 
uh, released for any ever. miniature war game ever. Yes. Even though I am no Amazing. longer a fanboy of Warhammer, I will always be a fanboy right. of Triumph and Treachery. <laughs> Triumph and Treachery so was good. amazing, and they're Before sitting there playing it. Yep, I can't, I, I could. I was like, "What is happening right now?" Walk back, but because we were in a separate room. Yeah, 2013. <laughs> yeah, that that sounds about yeah. right. Um, but because we weren't in the same room, like we didn't necessarily even see each other. Um, yeah, but the the, the store overall is great, right? Because so, it just has a lot of stuff. There's plenty of parking too. I've had parking issues at other venues before. Right. Um, so, it's good. No, this is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, I I have a gluten allergy, so I can't eat anything they serve there. So for me, it's a little annoying because I have to leave the the venue to eat food. <laughs> but, right. right. Um. At most for most people, that's not a problem. Yeah. It, it is funny to me that like, so my club is. I don't think there's anybody with a gluten problem or any any other problems at all. But like hanging out with you guys. And I totally respect this and love you for it. John will, John came to Dead of Winter and he was like, I have my own lunch pail. Mm-hmm. So I have my own, like, <laughs> I have my own dinner. It's, it's amazing here, this lunch. And I, I remember like I ordered something from like from, from the venue where I was at. I was like, I don't know, I'll get like a cheese, you know, some kind of sandwich or something. And I remember looking at your stuff and being like, I'm jealous. I'll be honest. I should have brought my own lunch. Like I cook better than this. What are we doing? Right. And Greg being uh, vegan is like, I have Thai food. Isn't it delicious? And I'm like, go. <laughs> right. Like I'm sitting here eating fries and fried ravioli. I'm like, you know, Thai food's delicious. I should have given you 12 bucks and gotten whatever you got. What is wrong with me? You know, where were, where were, was but, it a dead of winter with the, like the Thai food was extra spicy or. Yes. Trouble. No. I, I think so. I think so. I remember I, well, I, this is, this is not indicative of anything, but the last time I went out for Thai food, I went to a new spot with a buddy of mine and um, the lady comes over and she goes, blah, blah, blah. She goes, do you like spicy? I go, yeah, I like spicy. I want spicy um, five out of five. Right. And she looks at me and she goes, no, you don't. And I go, okay. <laughs> I want, no, I, was like, I, I was like, no problem. I want, I was like, I want four out of five. I want four out of five because three out of five is not yeah, most places. Three out of five much, is not yeah. enough. I want four out of five. And she looks at me and she goes, are you sure? And I said, well, let me ask you, is four like my spicy or your spicy? Right. And she goes, it's my spicy. I said, all right, well, I'll, I'll have, I'll have a four and let's try it. And she looks at me and, but as she walks away, she shouts over her shoulder and goes, no refunds and walks into the back, <laughs> right into the back. And I'm like, oh, I'm screwed. I'm so dead. I'm so dead. So the food comes out and I'm, I, I take the first bite and I, woo, right. And I'm crying. Tears are the coming. The hat down is off. My He's buddy's spanning like, his face with it. Yeah. Picture it. It's exactly what happened. It. Exactly what <laughs> and he, I'm sitting with my scally cap, like, wa- like waving with my left hand as I'm eating with my right. And my buddy's like, you can stop. I go, no, I can't. It's so delicious. I cannot stop eating this. Right. But it hurts. Like my lips are tingling, but not right. But not to the point where I'm like, I can't taste it. I was like, I got to keep going. We're in. Let's go. Right. Anyway, this neither here nor there. That is a story that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. So, very discursive. Well, um, if it's all right with y'all, I'd like to to go into my games a little bit. Well, it's exciting yeah. bringing a, Please do. a new army and um, finding some success on the tabletop with it. So, the first round, played against Corey. As I alluded to, I got to play Corey and Mike. So, round one was against Corey with his Ratkin. And uh, he had... Two hordes of warriors. He had two troops of claw shots. Two hordes of nightmares. 
Regiment of Tunnel Runners with Brew of Sharpness, two weapon teams, and a brood mother with the replacing drain life with a blight staff, Mother Kryza, and Scud Rat Demon. And we played a game of loot. So Right. I actually felt like Corey's army and mine were pretty evenly matched. Like we had very similar numbers of drops and unit strength. We had a similar kind of breakdown of, of unit types with some shooting, some mixed arms approach. I had Gallic, he had Scud. Um, so we had like that big kind of centerpiece. Um, went right. into the game as you always play loot from what I understand, which is, you know, pick one objective that you're going to throw some token resistance right. at. You pick one objective that uh, your opponent's going to throw some token resistance at and you're going to win. And then you pick the other objective that you're really going to fight over, which is generally the middle, but not necessarily the middle. Um, right. And in our case, it was the middle. Uh, so that was that. And I kind of deployed all of my shooting to my left, uh, which was the area that he really didn't put a lot in. So I just had one regiment of Iron Guard that could go up and grab that token. And then I had the shooting over there, but you know, like the sharpshooters have a 36 inch range. So they're, they're basically my shooting was in a position where if he wanted to play for the middle token, he was going to get shot. Right. He could, he could be, be shot. shot, right? And then on the right side, I had my horde of shield breakers, um, and they were kind of going to advance. There were two woods on that side, one and then the other, and they were going to advance over there to just, you know, they have high nerve. It's going to take him a while to um, take me out. It, it was in a place where they couldn't get shot by his claw shots because they're my weakest link. He could move up his weapon teams and stuff, but they're short range, so it would take a while, the terrain. And I got the first turn, which was nice, because I started shooting at his claw shots. They're the scary thing. Super helpful. And I didn't yeah. do a whole bunch of damage, but I did waver one of them right on the first turn to limit his uh, counter shots. And that really set the tone for the entire game. I think I did two damage to them and then rolled a nine <laughs> on the nerve check. And with... Um, rallying and everything they were up Man. to like a 10 12 nerve uh, so it, yeah. it wavered them and so this should have been a really close game but my nerve rolls were excellent well above There's average every single time yeah. ridiculously yeah. so where i was like not even necessarily breaking stuff, although i was breaking things like i would shoot like he moved his nightmares kind of up the middle i shot them a bunch needed like an eight with a re-roll got it but then you know his warrior hordes right. were kind of screening as he was coming from my right side towards the middle and like i would charge berserkers or shield breakers into some warriors to hold them up and i'd roll just that perfect number to waver them which is actually better than routing them because then the things behind them are stuck uh and he can't fight me yep. back even though i'm only you know defense four and so it was it was an onslaught of me rolling amazing nerve checks. And, uh, you know, true to form, Corey took it like a champ <laughs> because what else can you do? Um, um, yeah, what can you do? So it went from not only like, okay, I'm getting this left loot token. 
That's not even a question. You, well, I'm getting the middle loot token because I picked it up with my horde of earth elementals and his other stuff is so slowed down by these nerve checks and waivers. He has no chance of getting to me Two, why not? Faber will go over and pick up the third loot token because that's how the game's going. <laughs> just, I'll just have that one too, uh, which I was really just trying to slow him down and conceding it to him. Um, and even the icing on the cake was like the last turn. And again, I went first, only went to six turns and it was the top of six. And the only way he could have possibly taken the middle token from the earth elementals scud who had not seen melee the whole game he'd thrown some ineffective lightning bolts at a a long right. solo charge into the earth elementals i was like well this organ gun here has nothing else to shoot at i guess it'll shoot at scud and do two damage and then roll a box cars waiver oh god so he couldn't Just even try like it was, no, it was that. That is ridiculous. Um, oh, that's so frustrating. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> it sure was. Right for him. So that game ended. Uh, we were playing. We didn't mention this. We were playing just a win loss draw. Fifteen uh, five, the win and loss, and ten. Yeah, ten for a draw, and then the modifiers were just based on um, attrition. attrition. So a little different. Most yeah. of our events use blackjack, and again, we try to in our region mix up the you know the rules at different events the point sizes so that's where we were right. that ended in a 16-4 victory for me um and yeah it it was a good game it should have been a much closer game i mean a 16-4 isn't a huge win by any stretch but i i mean for the the scenario uh the loot tokens it should yeah. have been much closer um and you know luck just me what i needed to to um control that victory sure so always a good time to play against Corey. it was fun because we have both um independently considered uh grudging each other for round one because we met yeah table five you might remember from our recap of unplugged gt last year we met on table five yeah uh, or uh, round five table one on the top table um, and he beat me, and it was my only loss of the tournament. So part of me was like, I want to get revenge. And I think for Corey, too, he was like, we yeah. ended on such a good note. I'm going to keep it going. And <laughs> so again. neither of us issued right. the grudge, uh, but it fate allowed it anyway. It just kind of worked out. And right? so then we were eating lunch, and I was sitting there with Corey and with you and Chris Murphy, who uh, you had played. Yep first round i played chris murphy, i was like yeah. wouldn't it be mm -hmm. fun if we traded opponents and murphy was like no i don't want to get shot by these ratkin and i was like man it would just be great and john's like hey matchups are up and sure enough we traded yeah, opponents. so you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, it's pretty great so you and i got so play. i i had played um yeah i had played chris murphy the first round and i had I had squeaked out a win by like being I once again I, I lay my my units out and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I guess I'll run in this direction and hope that that works. Um and I what I did was I twin linked my uh the two units of worm riders. And so they ran around holding hands, running into stuff, killing it, turning to face. Um and so I ended up getting 
pretty lucky to be honest against Chris because I had a couple. I spiked a couple nerve rolls in the third round or um in the fourth turn, um that gave me uh the victory, which was which was good. Oh for me. sure, yeah. Um, yeah, totally right. Um, but anyway, so we got to play, and uh, if if I may, Please. all of the luck that you had against Corey, you then did not have against me. None. Ah. Zip. Zippo. Zero. Would you like to expand the, on the that? The turnaround sir? was really impressive. <laughs> Actually, it was. <laughs> right. It was so shit. So we were playing Rays. And this was my first yep. taste of like walking up to a table and looking at my opponent's army. And then looking at the scenario and being like, oh, crap, dwarves have some glaring weaknesses, <laughs> don't they? Because oh, yeah, right, right? You, oh, yeah. you have to go onto your opponent's um, half of the board you know, over 12 inches from the, um, is it 6 inches or 12 off of the? It's, it's 6. 6, six, six inches of the center line. line. So your, right. your opponent's yeah. zone to burn these tokens. So you have to control them. Um, and you, you know, two hordes of um, Nyad Worm Riders that are speed eight and uh, nimble. And you've got a Nyad Worm nimble, Rider Centurion. Yeah. And you've got other stuff mm -hmm. that's speed five and six. And um, slow and steady dwarves. And you got the first turn. And we're like, here I am. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Right? <laughs> wow. I have to fight through a lot of bodies before I even have a clear path. That'll bring, yeah, bring yeah, my short rough. legs uh, onto your side. There's also a, a central yeah. objective that we are uh, fighting for. Right, And I'm not going to lie. I sat down and I said, all right, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know what I'm playing against. Greg's push, pushing crap uphill. There's no way that this is going to go to, I, I got this. It's in a bag. It's in a bag. Oh. It's in a bag, right? So I think the notable point here is that on your... On my left flank was a forest and that I could advance through. Yes. And I put my horde of earth elementals over there because they got Pathfinder. And I had Golic near the right. forest because he's got Strider. And then I had like my main battle line. And there was uh, the shooting was mostly in the middle. And then one troop of sharpshooters was off to my right. And Faber and some Iron Guard were off to my right. So most of my army was in the middle with the Earth Elementals and Golic on my left in this woods, mm -hmm. and then a little bit of stuff on my right. And you put the two hordes of Worm Riders on my left. You bum-rushed them yep. right at me. It was already, I was like, all right, yep. so these Earth Elementals can move up near the token that was there that you were trying to get. It's like, mm -hmm. unless I kill one of those hordes, you're just going to double charge my earth elementals and I might survive that, but you will have six unit strength, my three, and you'll get the token anyway. Almost doesn't matter. Even if you, right. I was charge. like, well, yeah. I just, right. I got to kill one of those, right? I got to kill one so that right. you can't double charge and do this. So I unloaded everything at that, uh, worm rider horde, which, you know, they're only defense four. And I've got piercing two, right? Uh, left, right, and center. And I might have thrown some throwing mastiffs. I don't quite remember. You yeah, certainly did. Like a thing I would so do. So he, 
So, so, so Greg, bark, 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 run, 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 shoot, 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 pow, 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 right? I have two whores there waiting, and he knows. We've done the math. We've talked this out. I am like, I need to get, I need to send both hordes in. I need to roll slightly above average, and I should be able to take the ortho-elementals out of the equation. Then I can turn to face, and you're in trouble. And he says, no problem. I'm going to murder one of those units. He throws everything at it, and he goes, all right, sweet. Boom, 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 boom. Anything five or more, you're wavered, sucker. And you can only send one in, and then I got to spend the rest of my turn sitting there twiddling my thumbs, dying. Greg rolls a four. Where I go, oh no, and I yell, oh no, and run in a circle, and Greg goes, oh no, and he grabs his both hands to his head and goes, oh no, this so, is BS, and I go, this is fantastic. So let me let me let me clarify your story a little bit because that was a different situation. This was a, a snake eyes. This was the first of multiple snake eyes. <laughs> And Mike got so confused because it became a trend. So I did. It did actually. Did Thirteen damage, and you're a sixteen eighteen. So a three would waver you, and I rolled a snake eyes. And that unit has yes, uh, that is What's true. that rule? Oh, regen four plus. <laughs> That's right. So you right. double charge like, their elementals. Really nice, you nice peel off, I think, seven of the thirteen damage. Um. And then going on to the Earth Elementals, you know, we can run through that math again. It's 36 attacks hitting on threes, which should be 24 hits. Uh, crush one. Mm -hmm. That's it. Just crush one. Um, so crush that one. should be uh, out of 24, that should be eight damage. You know, and I'm a dash 18. So a 10 twice. Nope. It seems pretty reasonable. Um, but that, nope. no, they died. <laughs> <laughs> They no. died. I think you ten twice. Got them in a place where I think right? they needed an eight twice to break, and you got it. Um, yeah, I did. I was, I was, I was. So the back to back, the highest high, the lowest low, right? And right. um, I mean, Greg at one point walked over to Corey and was like, "All that luck, all that luck I had against you, I gave it all the way to Mike." Oh my god! Uh, and he looked at me right. with a straight face, and he was like. I don't care. <laughs> right. Good. Good like, for you. you I can see it in his face. Right. Right. Just so you know. Right. So, You're not getting any sympathy from me, so sir. I did end up getting that unit, uh, the injured unit of Worm Riders. Uh, yeah. But then I had a problem of this other unit of Worm Riders over there with, uh, I had to do something about it. So I kind of turned to face. I put it, uh, there were some sharpshooters and, could charge them. I had a battle driller too. Could deal with you. You know, yeah. I, it was a problem, but I had a couple things, and you already had a you know a token. I think you also got right one that was on my right side because you ran some. Yeah. Next turn, you ran one of your regiments of heart piercers forward, and it was it was a sure building did. in my deployment zone that was kind of awkward, blocking me from it, so I couldn't quite get there. So you just got it and. You basically right. sacrificed that unit because, and I could shoot at them, and they're a weak target. So I peeled them off. But you're already up two tokens. Right. I have none. Um, right. And it's like, oh crap. But then uh, fast forward like another turn or two, and the second horde of worm riders have now charged. I think this was through melee. Yeah, with a battle driller and Gallic. Mm -hmm. And I put mm -hmm. a boatload of damage on them. 
Even more. Sure I think I did 15 damage. Yeah, so... So here's the interesting thing, right? Like, I go in, and I'm looking at the table, and I'm like, there are big, chonky, chonk units. I'll kill them. And then I'll be able to turn to the left, and I'll sweep the flank. So I go in. I murder the stuff I'm supposed to murder. And you know what Greg does? He goes, oh, that's really cool, because I have this one little battle driller here, who I don't rate, by the way. <laughs> and I've, I've taken a couple times, and I, I think it's shit. <clears throat> and he's like, oh, I'll just charge you with the battle driller. And over here, I and he takes his, like, his unit of... Uh, of um, Sharpshooters, he goes, I'll just charge in. That is fire. So it takes me three effing turns to kill a battle driller and another thing of sharpshooters. Because sharpshooters, I don't know if you guys know this, they're resilient. I can't roll above a four every once in a while, too. So I'm like, I really need to turn this flame. And meanwhile, like his other units, I kind of like butchering the shit oh, yeah. in the middle. It was a blood right? Because I don't know what I'm doing yet. Yeah, it was, it was a sad. It's a sad state of affairs. Um, yeah. I'm picking up units, and I'm like, I really wish these worm riders would turn the flank like they're yeah. supposed to. What are we I doing? I slowed here? those <laughs> worm riders down, the surviving unit, and then hit them with Gallic to deliver what I thought would be the killing oh, yeah. blow. I believe they were up to 15 Pretty damage, great. and my old mm. friend Snake Eyes gave me another double ones. Head again. Gave me another double ones. It was pretty great. It was amazing. Honest. I was pretty happy to see it. Right, and so at this point, I'm like. Because at first I'm like, I'm all smug, like, oh, I totally have this. And then midway through, I'm like, I think I have this. And then, right, like, even though Greg is giving me multiple <laughs> double ones and everything else, I'm like, I, I can't win. Like, at one point I looked down at the table, I'm like, oh, my God, I have to play for a tie. What happened? Oh. Right? What is going on? So, here? Yeah, you know, that right? I did eventually get that horde of worm riders also. Um, but those bastards sure. did regen a bunch back before, you know, after those snake eyes. What I ended up happening was like on my right side, Faber Ironheart uh, ran around and got two of the tokens. Cause again, why this, this character is so indispensable um, because speed right. five and nimble is like, wow, <laughs> you're, you're flying. Yeah, buddy. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it's totally I mean, him a lot. And the, you know, yeah, the berserker troop with skirmishers boots, but he's way more survivable. Um, so he got two of the tokens. Right? And you eventually got all three of yours. There was not much I could do about that. Right. Um, and then it became a fight for the middle. And the fight for the middle was kind right. of dominated by your Nyad um, ensnarer's horde uh, Ensnares, flopping yeah. like a fish against the berserker troop. Yeah. And, you know, neither of us affairs. making much headway until eventually I could bring right. enough pressure into the middle to clear them off um and at the end of the game yep they're hard to get rid of it's a, it's a tough unit to move yeah. they really are and so you know once again because i, I haven't stress tested the list i'm looking and going there's no way you can kill that i'm good i'll just charge <laughs> him willy-nilly and next thing you know he puts like three units into the front and i'm like huh that's a lot of wounds i'll regen a bunch and, you know, I, once again, like, I'm picking up, like, 15 dice. I redrain nine of them. Greg is like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, I don't know, man. What can I tell you? Ha, ha, ha. And meanwhile, like, yeah, I am kidding you. Because next turn, you kill yeah, me eventually, anyway. the Eventually, right? like, the Shieldbreaker horde made its way into the flank. <laughs> that's, that's how that right. went. I'm trying know. to shoot it. Nothing was working. I think I think you you wavered one of the um, Nyad Heartpiercer units Right oh yes, I did. I kept shooting. So it, it got to, 
kept shooting it and wavering it right. and you would regen and then i would shoot it and waver it and you'd regen and eventually got yeah, yeah. It, right but waver you know they're not doing yeah. anything right so they're sitting there like i sure wish i could just murder these hammers no okay cool i'll just hang out here i guess right so anyway like greg um despite all of the bad luck he was having could um uh it, you know defeated me uh with a list that i had no idea what I was doing. Though to be honest, to be fair, even with armies that I do know what I'm doing, Greg kicks the shit out of me. There's something <laughs> about, dude, there's something about you where I'm like, other people, I don't have a problem, but with you, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I, how do I even roll dice? What is even happening? Right. Um, and I think that is, uh, I think that's actually pretty cool. To be fair, right. Um, I will play the exact same. Part of it, I think, Greg, is the fact that you don't take armies that everybody else takes. Right? So when I go to practice, I'm playing against, quote-unquote, the meta. But when I play against you, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is my secret power. That unit yeah, doesn't that... do anything. Or, or, or he's got the army, but not the units that more people are playing from that army. Right? But meanwhile, it's like, dude, that unit does do something. Here, let me show you what it does. Oh, right. my God. Right. Well, it's, it's like going back to what you were saying, Mike. When you, when you pick a list, if you want, really want to make it work, you got to put the reps in with it. You can't play one game and be like, oh, I was shit. It's impossible. Right. And so if Greg's willing to make a list, paint the whole army and then be like, I'm playing this. Right. <laughs> I'm going to figure this it out. Happening. Yeah. Right. It totally matters. I think reps with the list make you. Now, that being said, how many reps did you have before unplugged with the Eight. list? <laughs> there it is. Right. It's not. It's I, you know, I, It is not. I thought about using it for two years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you have. Forward. I'm sure there's a lot of thought that went into it, right? We're gonna tell um, you, right? Intellectual so, exercise. So yeah, when the dust settled on that game, it was a draw because I had gotten two of the tokens yep. on my side and I controlled the middle. You got all three of them on right. on my side, but I had, um, as we alluded to, like thoroughly murderated a lot of your units. Oh yeah. Oh no. So with okay. the attrition, right? One of the things I found with Shredded Realms. Yeah, one of the things I found with Trident Realms is that they are pretty resilient uh, mm-hmm. in combat, shooting, but boy, yeah. they hate shooting. Mm, oh yeah. my god, the bark skin is yeah. is nice for them, but even then, it's only one unit that you're protecting. You know, yeah, exactly, right. And so you just shoot something yeah. else and pew pew pew, right? Take a bunch of damage. So it was a draw, but it ended right. as a thirteen seven in my favor. Right, giant win. So then, right. Uh, round three, I got to play against Corey Reynolds. I, I, I took the Corey tour day one. Right, so you know, beat one, had to face the other. And he had a real, yep. um, just like bag of hammers, uh, Northern Alliance list. So he had, um, a regiment of dwarf clansmen, two regiments of pack hunters with short bows, two Huskarls regiments. No Trolls Horde with Chalice of Wrath, Osfrang Cavalry Horde with Dwarven Ale, two Snow Fox Regiments, Thane with the Inspiring Talisman and Talonar's Standard, which is uh, Rallying One, Snow Troll Prime with Pipes of Terror, and Hrim, the Legendary Ice Giant. Because you should take Hrim. Yeah, Hrim's great. And we were playing Invade, which he had me by a good amount of unit strength. He had 24 unit strength, and I think I had 18. 
Um, and, but his army was kind of slow and steady, and it, it's going to smash your face in, in theory when it gets there. Um, and I have, uh, you know, a more defensive and, and shoot-at-you kind of army. So this, I didn't hate the scenario um, because my shooting has some nice range and he's kind of slow. So he's got to take shots on the way over, and I felt like I could take a couple things off. And uh, hopefully I could, you know, get stuff across to his side uh, to balance the scales or, or pull out a win. Really the scariest thing he had there is Frim because he's got D6 right. plus 10 attacks and then Slayer D6 against big stuff like Earth Elementals and Golic. And he's crushing strength four. So he's 2D6 plus 10 attacks, even though he's hitting on fours, with crushing four against my what should be oh, very so survivable good. pieces. Um, not good. <laughs> not good. So, um, yeah, on my right flank, I put uh, just a couple things again um, to kind of do some token resistance against what he had there, which was quite a bit of stuff. And that was favor, a troop of sharpshooters, and a regiment of Iron Guard. Then over there, he had his two regiments of Black Hunters. He had the Thane with the um, Inspiring Talisman and Rallying One. He had the Horde of Frostfang Cavalry, and he had a, a troop of snow, a regiment of Snow Foxes. And then basically everything else was on my left side, um, which was the rest of my army. Um, there was some woods there, you know, so again, Earth Elementals and Gallic were <clears throat> set up to walk through that. I right. had an Iron Guard regiment with the Berserkers right behind them all the way on the left to go up past the uh, woods. And then kind of in the middle, away from the biggest threat uh, to them, the Shield Breakers were there because the his his shooting pack hunters can really do a number to them. And across from them was a regiment of uh, Huskarls. So this really came down to some key uh, roles on, I think they were both on turn two. So he advanced up pretty aggressively on my right flank. And on the second turn, I was able to charge uh, Faber into the regiment of Snow Foxes. And directly behind them were uh, the Frostfang Cavalry. And I had spent the first turn shooting at the Frostfang Cavalry, putting some damage on them, some chip damage right. with that troop of sharpshooters and with Faber. And then I charge into the Snow Foxes, mm -hmm. shoot the Frostfang again with the sharpshooters, do some more trip, chip damage. And I told Corey, I was like, for this plan to work, I need to waver the Snow Foxes. I can't uh, kill them. I can't leave I them can't unwavered. Them. <laughs> no. I, they have to be wavered. Right. And sure enough, uh, it was a hindered charge because there was a lake there, which helped. And so I needed, like, I think a six or seven wood waver. And that's what I got, which was beautiful. So then the Frostfang were stuck there because the Snow Foxes can only go directly backwards. Our nimble. Right. Got a little rub of the he's green got there, no, buddy. No room right. to maneuver. So that was amazing. Um, Huskarls that were squaring off against the Shield Breakers. I had two units throw their throwing mastiffs at them. 
five damage and rolled a sweet, sweet 10 to waver them, which meant they were in charge range of my shield breakers and couldn't back out of it <laughs> and had no help. So they were sitting there uh, nice. only for turn three to come around where the shield breaker horde could finish them off. So that was awesome. Um, and then the other bit of luck was <laughs> on my left flank, he I couldn't really stop it, you know, because I couldn't. Uh, he, but he set up a double charge with Rim and the horde of snow rolls into Gallic. And I'm like, ah, all right, I'm going to lose Gallic. But I had other pieces oh set up to to run damage control. And hopefully, you know, <clears throat> if I lose Gallic, he's only one unit strength. So better to bait him in that than with the Earth Elementals, who are three unit strength. You know, trying to play smart. And uh, he just completely flubbed against Gallic. Like, I don't know what else to say. It's 18 attacks, fours and fours with the Snow Trolls. It should be, you know, like five damage. And then 2d6 plus 10 attacks with Rim, hitting on fours and damaging on twos. So many. He did a grand total of 11 damage. And he's Whoa. brutal, so count it as 12, and he needs a 7 twice Holy to break shit. me, and he didn't get it. He wavered me. And that allowed wow. me to surge the Earth Elementals into the flank of Hrim. And then I was like, oh, this Stone Shaper rule that I've been reading on my Stone Priest is cool, and now I can actually use it. I've successfully cast Surge, now I can cast Bane Chant, and I'm crushing two with 36 attacks, threes and threes into your flank. You know? Bam! Um, well, right. actually fours, because I had to go over a wall. But it, in the end, it didn't matter. Um, so that was great. And uh, then when I, you know, Faber was just sitting there. He couldn't countercharge with those snow foxes. So on my third turn, Faber's like, all right, well, I'm just going to shoot those Frostfang. And the sharpshooters are going to shoot at you for a third turn. And then I killed the Frostfang horde before I could even see nice. combat get onto my side. Um, Buddy, I, I I have found that like I have found that Frostfang hordes and anything that is height four does not no. live against dwarves, mm. right? It just it does not get into combat because you can always see it. You don't mind hitting on fives with your long range shooting, and you're yep. pierced too. So it's like it hits, you know, it sticks it, you know? generally. So, uh, and against an army like his that doesn't have any regen or heal, those chip couple turns of putting three, four, five damage adds up and you're eventually going to take it off um so after those things happened like the huskarls died from being wavered and charged by shield breakers the frostfang died from the shooting because of that incredible uh waiver on the snow foxes and then you know his glorious charge he eventually did kill Gallic, but he lost trim and the snow trolls in the process um he was just yeah. kind of on damage Oof. control at that point and so um, he didn't have the unit strength anymore to to take it from me. So I ended up winning um, convincingly. Right, it was right. an 18-2. Ooh, beatings. That's a, that's yeah. a big one. Yeah. Hurts. So it was at the end of the first day, and I was like, um, all right. <laughs> I, I guess bad. my arm is not too bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
right? I mean, I, I, it's interesting. Like at the end of day one, I had gone um, one, mm-hmm. one, and one, right? I had a win, a, a win against Chris, a tie against you, which was a losing tie. And then, honest to God, like, oh my God, I had my face beaten in loss, right? And so I was like, man, I'm, I'm still on track. Um, and I'm kind of getting a feel for what the Army does. So at the end of day one, Greg, so you've played a couple games now that are not just practice games, but like legitimate, like let's go games against people that are, you know, know what they're doing, et cetera. Are you feeling better about what the Army quote unquote does at this oh, point? I, um, you know what I mean? You know, I've never played an Army that has a serious range shooting phase. And I thought like, you know, a lot of people who I reached out to for some thoughts when I was building the list were basically like, don't take organ guns. Yep. Um, flame belchers are better or sharpshooters are better. Um, don't take organ guns. Um, but I am a stickler right. for I like the organ gun model and I'm going to use it as what it is. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in there. Yeah. Um, so I didn't. I didn't think. My shooting phase was going to be as good as it actually is, not just on day one, but on day two, too, as well. It's like so many shots with piercing two. It doesn't matter. You know, I mean, if the organ guns are hitting on fours, that's still eight hits on average between the two of them. Right. Um, It's right. You know, five hits if they're hitting on fours between the two troops of sharpshooters. Golic, uh, multiple times in games, I just moved him into a position where he was good kind of like board control threatening and then he didn't move so he could hit on force with his shooting um and you add in those like that critical like turn two three or four where you can throw the throwing mastiffs to get those extra points of damage and it was like pretty Mm -hmm. much every game outside of turn one if i went first i was killing i was removing a unit or wavering a key unit with my shooting every single turn of the game I was right. like, okay, this right. is legitimate. Right. Like, this is actually yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, and then the the units that they do get into are not easy to kill, right? So if you're if you're wavering things or killing something, it's not like you've got a bunch of soft stuff that then, oh well, they're going to get to me with all the rest of their mm-hmm. units and then just take off all my stuff. Yeah, yeah the army's right. resilient. So, which which is funny because at the end of day one, I remember talking to Corey about it and going. I hate to say it, but boy, I really missed the the. I I thought that I missed dwarves, but I really understand them. So I I could I would get into situations and go. I know I can go in here. I know this unit will last three turns before you kill it. Against with Trident Realms, I'm like minus one. For some reason, my brain is like minus one to hit with a defense four. I have no idea. You could kill this in a turn. It could take five turns. <laughs> I have I don't no, know. Idea. no idea. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yeah. Right? No idea what's <laughs> happening. It's crazy right it's the regen yeah. that throws yeah, it's hard to right? regen four up and i'm like it's hard to figure out what that means you know Definitely. um because even if you even if you know the average it doesn't mean that right. that's what's happening right. you know i mean it's it's fours it's swinging um but anyway so we get to the end of day one uh, john what were your thoughts about the, the 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 tournament at the end of day one before um we well, it was interesting. I mean, I'm, I was looking at things from more of an overall perspective. I mean, obviously, I saw people winning or losing games. Um, I saw some people on the top tables that I honestly wasn't expecting, but you never know. Um, 
Uh, Nick Scabetta, obviously, like usual, was, was flying very close to the sun at the end of day one, which is <laughs> he, he, has a, he has a tendency to do quite often. Right. Um, so that was that was expected. Uh, Brian Ring on table one. Uh, uh, I haven't seen Brian because he wasn't able to come last year. Um, but right. you know, he's he's always got a strong a strong list and a strong player. So, uh-huh. um, yeah. But I was looking at the overall results because you, know, you guys couldn't see that in the background. But I was looking at the sports score. Well, not the sports scores yet, but the paint scoring already with how it relates to the battle. And I was like, oh shit, Greg's doing pretty well, and he's got a really good paint score. He's Sure, he could be right. flying pretty high here. Um, so that that was that was kind of my observation takeaway from it. Right. It's it's funny. Um, I think I always I always assume that Greg is like number one with a bullet when it comes to the way that we we uh, we we judge unplugged. Right. In terms of uh, a third, a third, a third, because, uh, you know, I'm Greg to your to your credit. You're a really good player. Um, your painting is always top notch. And you're super genial on the table. Thank you. Like the triple threat matters. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, it's always like, okay, so who's going to try to like beat out Greg? I thought, I mean, you know, for fair, I thought Corey you know? Reynolds was a, a favorite to take down the event. His painting on that um, army, I, I don't know what the range is, but it's like, um, you know, it's like medieval Japan kind of uh miniature yeah oh, nice. he's, it's gorgeous he's one yeah. who over the years has really leveled up his painting games and he's always even when he's beating your face in he's such a gentleman and, and a fun guy to play against so um i was i was right. surprised and pleased when i beat him <laughs> around three because going into the event he was my favorite <laughs> to win um Overall, because he, you know, he excels in all three areas of the, the competition. He's legit. Yeah, and then and so interesting the results. Um, uh, Corey, who who did finish well, he finished in eighth overall. Um, but some of the people at the top uh, that I wasn't necessarily surprised out. Chris Pelletier ended up winning the event. Right. Right. Um, and Chris, you know, he'll he says he doesn't play like he's like, I don't even know what I'm doing when I play this game. But oh, every time he goes to a tournament, yeah. he does. Yeah, he's, he's full of it. Damn. Um, so he, he ended up taking down his his category rankings were he came in second place in sports, third in battle and seventh really in paint. Good. And that really was right. a, a overall average of a 3.99 for his ranking, which put him in, in first place overall by, by a pretty wide margin, actually. So he just did, did great. And that's, that's how you win this event is you do great in multiple areas. And Greg was right behind him. Greg came in second. Oh, jumping the gun. So, I didn't even talk close. about day two. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I do want to well, mention preview. Wow. Well, I mean, that, you know, not to get into the semantics here, but uh, uh, the nice thing about it about Unplugged is Saturday night, um, John uh, allowed us uh, essentially opened his house uh, for the attendees to come and hang out at his place, and it was really great. You know, like um, you know, uh, between Cat and John, there's Italian dinner for everybody. So there was some lasagna, and would you like some salad? And everybody kind of brought something. And it was really, really nice to hang out. I remember at one point I was sitting down at like. John's giant kitchen table and we're all hanging out and I'm getting to know some of the guys from Buffalo and stuff and just shooting the breeze with Derek Biankowski and just, and just, you know, 
it was really fantastic, right? And then hopped in the hot tub and hung out by the by the fire pit and just really had a fantastic time. I cannot, I don't know, John. I I cannot thank you enough for doing that for for you and Cat for um for having us over, right? Because it was really like I don't know. It was it was the best hangout that I could have asked for for the event, you know, because the thing that I'm trying to chase at um at Dead of Winter because we're at a game store is to get that hangout experience that you get from mm-hmm. being in a hotel. How do you get right? that? Yeah, and that's right, the and the and and John, you got it. It's the closest we're gonna get without everybody <laughs> being able to stumble back to their own rooms without having to drive. It really was yeah. great, right? And uh, thank you, and please tell Kat thank you. I will. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm yeah, glad y'all had a good time. Hospitality yeah, is great. Uh, is peerless. The way you run the event and yeah. organize the 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 party on Saturday night. So I'm glad you have fun. Good. Yep. That's yeah, buddy. That's what we're going for. Is is how do we get the social aspect mm-hmm. of it tied in if we if we have to run it at a game store and. Right. What I don't want, what I don't want, is everybody to just go home at the end of the night and be like, "Oh, I don't know. I guess I'll see you in the morning." Yeah, please right. keep it moving, right? Yeah, because the because the social aspect, the camaraderie is is for me more important than playing the games, even. So, yeah, yeah. totally. I need that part of it. <laughs> so day two was matched up for round four against Chris Murphy. Right. You can edit that part out, oh, Greg. No, I, I, we're keeping I, it in. Road to second place. Um, <laughs> day two. It's happening. I was matched <laughs> against Chris Murphy with his Basilean, which was um, wonderful. I love Chris Murphy, and I love playing against him. It was a little funny because, one, uh, we were carpooling to the event, and two, uh, those an awkward Those tribe. three games I played before the event, one of them was against him with this exact army. <laughs> so we actually knew uh, what to expect from each other a little bit. He did joke about me, like, quote, unquote, forgetting to pick him up, uh, you know, on the way in Sunday morning and be like, oh, I guess my opponent dropped <laughs> 20 nil. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he had Basileans and he had... Uh, Regiment of Paladin Foot Guard Infantry with a Healing Brew. Two regiments of Sisterhood Scouts. Horde of Alohi with uh, Wine of Elven Kind. A horde of Ogre Palace Guard with a Stang Stone. A second horde of Ogre Palace Guard with a Chalice right. of Wrath. Uh, two heavy yep, Arbalist War Engines, which are like um, bolt throwers. They have Shattering. Uh, two Phoenix. A priest with Bane Chant to heal three and a conjurer staff, and Naeus Solistus, the um, large cavalry uh, unique unit who's really freaking good with speed nine nimble. Um, so good, really so good. He's got, yep. he's right. got a Mini cool dragon. like mixed arms list. He he recently he's been playing Basilea for a while, but he recently added in the shooting, which is actually quite good. Um, you know, the Sisterhood Scouts hit on fours with um, Vicious and Steady Aim. Uh, Arbalists have Piercing 2 and Shattering. The Phoenix each have Fire Sparks with 10 attacks with 18-inch uh, range and Steady Aim. So, like, it's pretty legit. But then it also smashes you in the face with 
Ogre Palace Guard and the Nimble Alohi Horde is is really good um, for getting around flanks and whatnot. So uh, we were playing Fool's Gold, which I love the scenario. Um, it's Fool's Gold and Smoke and Mirrors are often excluded from tournament play, uh, but we keep them in as an option right. at Unplugged, and they sure enough came up, and I was just like, we were driving in in the morning and i was talking to murphy about it i was like yeah man this is a uh, another scenario it's gonna be really freaking tough like i won't know exactly where your tokens are and i can't exactly redeploy i have to put all my tokens on your side of the board you have four units that are either flying in nimble or speed nine nimble um oh yeah, i was kind of like that's rough. Like I'm not sitting here telling you what to do, but like you could just freaking sit in the corner all game, and then the last turn just be like, "Here I am on all the tokens for right? you," which he should have done. <laughs> so, um, I did have a plan though. Uh, I ended up on the the side that had a forest in the deployment zone that was kind of like center left, and um. Then on the right side, there was a hill that I could, it was like partially in the deployment zone, so I could put some stuff on it or move onto it. Uh, had a pretty, pretty clear view of like the center of the board. Um, and there was a building that was kind of like in the middle that was a buffer. So basically, I was like, I'm going to put everything on the right side surrounding this hill use that building right. and the forest because he doesn't have any pathfinder or strider um to like protect my flank and i'm just going to put all my uh, tokens of value on that right side as close to my you know as close to the center line as i can because this the their objective markers they still have to right. be 12 inches apart um so i was able to get the two like very close to the center line all the way to the right and then a one close to the center line you know 12 inches to the left of that and then another one like deep deeper in his deployment zone and he uh and then i put my zeros on the other side and then he ended up um putting one of his one tokens in this area that i ended up deploying everything in and controlling which was good for me um because it basically, it's, I mean, you put the tokens down and they're a secret and then they get flipped at the end of turn three. But as soon as I was five or six units into deployment, he knew exactly where my tokens were because I was putting my entire freaking army in this spot. And I was like, I can't hide this from you because I don't have that luxury. I'm not fast enough. Um, and he did put right, some right. things on my left to try and like, obviously to get the tokens of his that were valuable on that side, but then to also try and sweep the flank. But that meant that, you know, my whole army was facing off against just a portion of his. And as the game started to advance, he realized that that put him in a tough spot because I was just shooting and, and removing stuff. Um, and by the time he came over with the Alohi, thought this was going to be my undoing um and then reality set in basically because he the the forest was over there and he could fly the alohi um 
uh, into the woods because they didn't have Pathfinder. But he could fly just over the woods and there was a battle driller hiding who could charge him. Or he could um, stay in, go nice. into the woods only 10 inches and get charged by Faber. Or he could charge Faber. And I Faber was standing in a place where the Alohi would land in the woods and it would be a hindered charge. I'm like, all right, so he's right. crush. He took the crushing two option, you know, um, defense four. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, 18 attacks, hitting on fours when he's hindered is nine hits, damaging on fours is five damage. He needs a 10 twice. Faber survives, and the battle driller is in a place where I will um, come in to join the fight in the flank which is important because you don't want him in the same facing because then he can charge, kill the battle driller. It's an individual overrun into favor round two. So this'll, oh, yeah, this'll, you know, this'll hold him up and I'll probably actually kill him in the long run because he's only demons four. Um, and instead he uh, got lucky and he broke uh, favor. I think he did seven damage instead of the average of five, which, okay, you still need an eight twice, but he got an eight twice. And then he was able to reform in such a way that the battle driller was no longer in charge range because eight inches. Wah, wah. So I was like, oh, no, <laughs> they're going to sweep the flank and kill everything. And I like looked at him and I was like, this is terrible. And I told him all of my sadness. And then he was like, are you sure? And I was like, hmm, let me look. If I just turn these units, because the shooting stuff was on the hill, you can't charge it this turn. You can move forward and get shot. Yeah, I'm actually fine. <laughs> so that's what happened. Like, yeah. I and, turned the and, and, shooting and, stuff dude, here's on you. the hill, and he couldn't advance because he would get shot to shreds. Uh, so he ended up having to back away. Right. Um. So here's an interesting thing there, Greg. So the first thing is, is the natural tendency to look at your look at your army and go, this army shit, I'm totally dead. There's no way I could possibly recover, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then there is the the other part of that where your opponent does not have the same information that you do because they haven't played it, you know, played your army. All they see is the ghosts that you bring and they go, yep. are you sure? Because I feel like I'm also <laughs> screwed. And you're like, well, we can't both be screwed. Somebody's going <laughs> to end up winning. Somebody right? wins this. Yeah. You know? Oh. But I think there's a natural inclination for for players to like just I think oh. I think there is. Oh, no. And, and uh, right. it was like one of those things, just the inexperience with the army. I just kind of like jumped to. And it's not like I, I had like a bad sports moment, but I told him, I was like, man, I think that's going to do me in because this and that and that. And then he was like, look at it. <laughs> I looked and I was like, oh, yeah, I can just, you know, right. earn, you know, redress my, uh, Do this my and line this. and I'm fine. Um, so when we had played our practice game, uh, those two phoenixes like moved up and shot the crap out of my shield breakers and melted them in like two turns. I was like, yeah, I can't let that happen again. So basically the way I prevented that was I deployed them as like a second line. So they were all the way to the right. They moved up behind some Iron Guard and Earth Elementals, and that meant, like, he couldn't get close enough to shoot them without getting charged by the frontline stuff. And that made it so that the Shield Breakers could sit on my two-point objective and not get shot at, which was perfect. Um, they never saw combat, but they also didn't die, and they captured my two-point token. Um, so the way that ended up, 
it was another draw because it was even on tokens and I had killed enough of his units that he couldn't really pull stuff with unit strength off of tokens to try and contest mine. But I am too slow to go and contest his. So it was a draw, but my shooting, uh, you know, was racking up points. There were very few melees in that game. Very few. Um, and so it was a 12-8 in my favor. I felt like, you know, against a very mobile unit in that scenario, or mobile army in that scenario, that was about the best possible outcome I could have hoped for. So that brought me into round five. And back-to-back uh, -back years, baby. Unplug GT. Round five, table one. It's, it's, <laughs> my, it's my event. I don't know what to say. It's, this it's, is it's not what I normally. This is not the situation I normally find myself in at GTS. Uh, but unplugged, you know, that's my. Yeah. Now it's becoming a theme. That's my secret sauce. So uh, for my sins, I was matched against Brian Ring and his elf army, and he had been unlike me, who had a couple wins and a couple draws in my favor. He had just been murdering people all weekend. Uh, so oh, he yeah, was yeah. up, even though I was in second for battle points, he was ahead of me by nine battle points. Which is a it giant is number, system, right? That's a lot. That's a lot to be in deficit. Right? Yeah. And in a, traditional, in a traditional tournament, Brian would be in a commanding lead where he would say, all I have to do is tie yep. and I win the entire tournament. But right. Because, once again, the third, 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 it's like... Are you sure? Are you sure? He knows, right? Oh, uh, how confident are you in your sportsmanship yeah, score? Best general, <laughs> he could have tied I and, you know, taken it. Um, right? Yeah. But uh, here's what he had. Uh, elf list. A regiment of glade stalkers. A horde of Therenian sea guard with hammer of measured force. Two troops of silver breeze cavalry and a regiment of silver breeze cavalry. Horde of Draken Riders with Sir Jesse's Boots of Stridings. One Bolt Thrower. Uh, an Elven Archmage with a Horse, Boots of Levitation, and Alchemist Curse. Scary, scary. Uh, Argus Radanar mm. is a unique unit I've never yeah. seen before, but is pretty good. It basically... It's really good. Yeah, 70 like points, it. man. He has Inspiring. He... Once per turn allows you to re-roll a single uh, to hit or to damage roll, I believe. Which um, can be used, for example, on a to hit with a bolt thrower that if you do hit, turns into blast D3, so that's kind of good. Um, or like if you throw Alchemist Curse and you roll one to damage, you know, it's a two plus, so you get to re-roll it. And then he also lets you pick in your range phase one from the unit anywhere on the table, and it gains the inspiring special rule. Which is cool, right? Which is that is yeah. that is it's the very money good for him, seventy points. Right, is the fact that he can push the inspiry around. Uh, he's so also good, a monster right? yeah. with defense five and dash thirteen. Uh, so he's he can like hold loot tokens and shit. Like, yeah, he's very good. Um, totally true. Yeah, yeah, points. for seventy points. Is, and he has the swirling awesome. tempest formation, which is two regiments of draken riders. They gain nimble. Um. Which is very good and spell ward didn't matter against me. Uh, and then a draken lord gains 
spell word and rampage d3 which is cool so that was the list that again very fast uh very maneuverable and this is the point where i was sitting with john and like brian and i knew we were gonna play and i was sitting there chatting to john before he announced like officially the pairings and the um scenario and i was like man we played this we played that ah it's gotta be it's gotta be dominate man like we're gonna be playing dominate and brian's like no not dominate that would be terrible and i'm like all the scenarios have been like like you know bring fast quick armies there's gotta be one you know to balance it out it's gotta be dominate and you just looked at me with this smile and you're like it's pillage blame keith (laughs) and again i was like so great. I was like, all right. So again, I looked at Brian. I was like, dude, you just gotta like hide in the corner and last turn jump on all the tokens. And like, what am I gonna do? Um now the way the game ended up being played, in the center of the board, where one of the pillage token goes, because again, you had a map, so fool's gold, we actually put our tokens down because you have to. Um, but pillage. Yeah, the bluffing like is village and raise. They were and loot. They were on a map. Um, so one's right in the middle, and it was in a lake. So it was in a flat piece of terrain, which ended up being very important because, uh, aside from boots of striding on a horde of dragon riders, he didn't have any pathfinder. And I basically did what I had done against mm. Murphy, which is I deployed everything, um, on like my center right, um all focused around a hill that I could um, you know, put some shooting on to get good angles and basically threaten that center token. It made it so if he ever wanted to go after that center token, I was going to shoot the crap out of him. And he couldn't, he couldn't just Make land it on it right. the last turn because he didn't have Pathfinder um, unless he wanted to save his boots of striding for the very last turn. You know what I mean? Um, so that was good. And he deployed everything on the extreme flanks, like a couple things on my extreme right. And there was a forest over there and then everything else on the extreme left. And the stuff that was on the extreme right was one of the hordes of Draken riders, the Draken Lord and, uh, something else. Oh, a troop of Silver Breeze. So not a lot. And that, to come sure. forward, would have had to face all of my infantry. <laughs> just all my infantry, like, right. moved up and, like, turned towards the center. And it was like, you can't fly. Right? And no. he doesn't want any part of that. He doesn't want any, and speaking from experience, like, nobody wants to get stuck. You charge in tally-ho, no. and then you bounce. No. Yeah. And there's not, no, not he great. was like, well, yeah. can't fly over you. Can't charge into you. If I even get close, you're going to throw all those Mastiffs at me. So I'm going to, like, run away. <laughs> he literally just, like, turned and ran away. Um, I did end up killing the um, Silver Beast troop because they were in a spot where I could shoot at them sure. and pick on them. Um, and the stuff that was all the way on the left came up, like, super cautiously. And it- Very. Yeah, I watched he, a lot like, of this game. Yeah. Didn't want to get into the middle to get blasted, but I was starting to move my organ guns up and up towards that middle so they could shoot at him. 
And meanwhile, like he's got a decent amount of shooting, but it's got no piercing. He's not doing anything. Um, this is the first game where like the iron resolve aura from Gallic was actually a thing because he'd do one or two damage. And I'd iron resolve one. It is so good against plank damage where you're like, nothing matters, right? Your puny weapons are useless against me, sucker. And then, you know, the Alchemist Curse Mage is a legitimate problem, but he's got to get within 12 inches of me. Use it. Yeah. He's in the danger danger zone. zone. And I gave him basically his option was the earth elementals in the lake in the center. So hitting on fives. So it's not even that great. Um, so yeah, my shooting man just really ripped into him between Gallic and Faber, who shot, I believe, every turn of the game, and then the sharpshooters who were firing the whole game, and the organ guns who eventually moved into a place where they could shoot. Uh, elves were uh, <laughs> getting shot to shreds Dude, left boring. and right yeah. on this battlefield. It was like. It was they're so quick right. and nimble, and they're like, shall I dip a toe forward and, and see if I can come and contest a token? And then they would blow up and be like, oh, God, no, uh, and run away. So eventually meant that he just had to, like, didn't have enough pieces to really make a play for the middle or to shift me off of the tokens that I was on, which was four out of the seven tokens. Um, right. So he couldn't he couldn't do anything about it. Like the last like turns four, five and six really was like, man, I I've got nothing. I just have to hide, uh, to conserve points. So, uh, that ended up. It's not how you win the game. Yeah. Being a 17-3 to me. Wow. So, yeah, I did a thing going into the tournament with a brand new army thinking, I would like to make these games competitive and whatever happens beyond that is, is all well and good to going undefeated, which I've never done and winning best general, which I've never done. Bam. Bam. So, so second place, but also best general. And that was, that was the thing. And like, that's a big deal. I love the Unplugged GT and the way that we do the scoring because I really do think that Chris Pelletier put together the best all-around performance that weekend. He just did. Agreed. Like, Agreed. Yeah, I came yeah. in first for battle, and at most tournaments that would be, oh, you're a shoo-in now, you're going to win, but not here. And it's like, I had a good, I had, what was it, third place for paint? My sports score wasn't bad. I was like yeah. middle of the pack. No, not I'm not upset about that. It was it was a good place, but like yeah, not enough raged. when Chris came and knocked it right. out of the park in every category. So that's off to him, man. It was right. awesome. Absolutely. Agreed. You know, it it's um it, it one of the nice things about unplugged is when people say, and congratulations to first, second, and third. I I nominally every time I'm like, that's right. That's perfect. That's not <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's not fluky. It's not like, oh my God, how'd this guy get here? Right. It's always like, yeah, the triple threat. Done, done, done. Right. These are bros that I would want to go and like represent the Northeast in what we do, you know, every time. Guaranteed. That's why they won. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Right. right. I mean, but, you know, you set the scoring up to do that. 
Right. Well, yeah, yes, John, yes, why yes. don't you run through uh, like the rest of the awards? We know that Chris Peltier took first. I took second. Remember, or do I have to oh, tell you? Oh, I don't have... Dude, right, I don't well, have that up in front uh, of me. Murphy, oh, hang on. Chris Murphy I will in a second. <laughs> go, go ahead, if you got it. Chris Murphy got third. I yeah. had best general. Um, Chris Pelletier got second. Uh, general or third? He got third, and Brian third. Ring got second. Even though, Brian even after Red, losing Ring to me, because yeah. he had been so far ahead. Um, he was up by a lot. I got so, third. Right. Derek got second. That's correct, right? With his Northern Alliance. Beautiful Northern Alliance. Yeah. Yep, his yep, his cross giant oh, is so amazing. Oh, oh my God. He is a, he right? an excellent painter. Very Rip. clean, very strong, uh, cohesive theme. The man painted full model count. <laughs> and you got to give props to that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And then uh, first place for painting was. Um, Eyeless, yep, with his Eyeless. Order of the Green Lady, which is beautiful. Yep. Really nice collection of models. It really, really, is really strong, um, like high contrast paint um, paint scheme that really catches your eyes. Great stuff. And sportsmanship. You're going to have to run me through that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, best. Uh... Third place was a That's right. actually it was a four way tie. This is <laughs> something about sportsmanship scores that I think I'll, I would change in the future is create more differentiation. But it was four way tie in second, so third place went to a three way tie. Uh, the the people that lost on the tiebreaker were Jim Ellsworth and Pat O'Neill. Jeff Manning took third right. place on the the three way tiebreaker, right? And the second place tie they were all tied for second actually, but uh, Chris Pelletier had the other tiebreaker so he came in second for that um and then the the best opponent favorite opponent was oh, justin Burke. that's right yep yep i got to play him last round and he was the epitome of clean play yeah he spoke through the entire every every one of his turns he had a little like little templates for where he's going to move his stuff do you agree yes i do <laughs> i'm totally screwed please continue to move your stuff like it was it was great it was he was I don't know, just uh, that aspect of the game he has on top of just being like a generally genial bro. You know what I mean? Yep. It's very cool. <laughs> so then I want to um, recap the charity raffle, which was also a smashing success. Um, Please do. We had 18 people uh, purchase raffle tickets, including two folks who were not at the event, which was awesome. Um, so shout out to Michael P. and Keith Conroy. Uh and then the other 16 were in attendance. Uh, I want to give credit to them as well. So that was Nick, Derek, Christo, both of the Corys, uh, both of my co-hosts, John and Mike, uh, Chris Murphy, Bill, Steve, yeah, buddy. Uh, Brian, Peyton, Rob, Jason, Johnny Sleeves, and Greg. So that was phenomenal. And between 18 folks, we raised 100, or I'm sorry, $840 which I threw in 10 more bucks to uh, round up to 850, which we donated um, after I got home and deposited that cash, donated to the um, Connecticut Center for Children's Advocacy, which is amazing, 
Like that mm -hmm. is a huge figure and it made me really proud um, so that awesome. people came together to uh, help me make that donation. And Corey Walliser walked away with the big prize with the Armada fleet and the essentials box and the custom uh, fleet uh, card holders. It was awesome. I remember like, remember nothing. So he, so he ends up winning that, right? He goes up, he's like, yeah, I'm the luckiest boy. Right. And then, um, you know, we, we hop in the car and four of us drove out in a, in a single car. So he's sitting in the, in the back with me with that on his lap. <laughs> there's no place to put it. Right. And, um, he's like, it's okay. It's going to be all, it's going to be all worth it when I get home. Right. It just, he was so excited to win that. It was super awesome. Um, <laughs> I do want to I do want to hop in here uh too that uh as the unplugged GT is nominally the end of our quote unquote oh, sure. tournament season yep. right yep. because right. um yeah in order to get a masters team together for July I I call it that and then and then Orktown in the first weekend in June is the beginning of our masters season. So over the course of this year um uh, we have as the northeast we have raised um now with the extra ten dollars that I put in here, six thousand two hundred and eighty-five dollars for charity over the course of the year. That's amazing. As a, as a community, right? Um, some of the things that went to Ukrainian um, uh, war relief, uh, Doctors Without Borders, um, the Central New York Crisis um, Hotline, uh, the Connecticut Center for Children's Advocacy, and um, uh, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Like we are using the community to leverage to to help these these worthy causes and i just i i i i cannot be thankful enough yeah, it's amazing um yeah for the for the for what we do as a community to help people it's so awesome right so i don't know just we're we're a different breed man <laughs> you know but so so john at the end of the event what we um you know, we're, we're wrapping up here, but like, what were your thoughts about like, uh, the event as a whole? Um, it's, it's different, you know, it's not your normal GT. And so, you know, you got to come into it knowing what you want to get out of it. I, I, I do, I right. we've said this before, but I think TOs or clubs or people running events typically run the event that they would like to play in. And so this is, you know, my idea of what, uh, uh, obviously, Greg. <laughs> Greg likes it, too, since he always uh, seems to do very well. So it's, well. it's, it's exactly. Greg's type of event, too. But, you know, it's the type of event that I would like to play in. Um, I love everybody else's events as well for what they are. But this is just the way I would sure. do it. So I'd say, you know, um, when you go to any GT, keep in mind that, um, you know, the, the person or the group running that, uh, you know, is contributing to the community and giving you that experience. And so go in with an open mind and play their way and have fun with that and just, you know, enjoy the experience of the, the event, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's my takeaway this time. Sure. It's, 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 uh, to piggyback on that, it's funny to me that like we have five, six events, two day events in, um, the Northeast and some of them are, intensely distinctive right so like yes. crossroads gt four man team tournament um you know oh by the way i don't know if this is gonna be out in time but like you know sign up start on on the eighth right May. that's coming up so, 
So our club is scrambling to find out like how we're all going to settle out into the 42 teams we're going to bring. Right. And then, um, uh, but like Crossroads is totally different from Orktown, right. Which is like, come to our curling club and right. get hammered on the and bring more points than any orcs, other event. If you don't like orcs, what's wrong with you? Right. Yeah, exactly. Like 2,700 points. Um, but like an unplugged has it has its has this thing because of the third 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 scoring and just you kind of know what you're getting into when you go into an event going to an event and I like the variety that we have in the Northeast. I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast. I run the most generic of the tournaments in the Northeast, right? It is. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, the, it is. It's like the most you know nominally boring one because it is what you would expect with five rounds with nothing wonky too much. Okay. Last, last tournament, notwithstanding, but like, you know, it is like the vanilla GT, but I have the market cornered for GTs that happened in January. So, you, do. you know, yeah. So if you're bored and need something to do, come on up to Albany in January, you could do it right? however you want. You, you totally could. But like, I I'm really impressed with the offerings that we have up here for people to come and experience Kings of War in a bunch of different ways. Right. Same game, same rules, but how do you apply the TO rules and how do you get a feel for a given tournament? I think that we do an excellent job of that. Right. right. And John, you're part of that. I it's it's the, the unplugged GT is is special because of that, you know? It's not small. Yeah, I like the variety's great. It's a, it's awesome that we all have a, a unique personality. Right. So anyway, um, any other thoughts before we wrap it up? I'll just say, you know, reiterate, like we said, thank you again to John and to everybody who came and made the event great. Uh, when we were off air before we started yeah. recording, Mike mentioned that it was like uh, almost like a bunch of TV cameos <laughs> over the weekend where some <laughs> of the other uh, members of the Unplugged Gamers who... Um, you don't see too often anymore due to like childcare responsibilities or, um, you know, just moving on to playing different games, like showed up for a little bit, pitched in to help with um, paint yeah. scoring or, or just to say hi and check out what was going on. So that was really fun to see. Um, you know, we've uh, over 10 years of running, uh, well, more than 10 years, but having run 10 events, we've, uh, you know, had a lot of people that have been a part of it. So it's been good to, to, to see some of those folks who we don't see as often. So yeah, thanks to all the people who came, especially the right. new players who oh. maybe haven't been to a GT before or haven't been to this one and we're willing to give it a try. And right. of course, to all the, uh, the, the experienced veterans who, who keep coming back for more year after year. <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah we actually did give a special award this year for the people that have been there the most since it's our 10 year 10th 10th time running the event um right. and uh the the two people actually that well i say the one the person who's been there to every single one is cory walliser so i i, yeah. I made him he's never I spent missed my time and energy making him a plaque <laughs> that holds on it <laughs> A 10-foot extension cord in Unplugged Gamers Red, one foot for every year of attendance at the GT. As I was that making this, my wife was looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? It's a what special are award. You doing? Right? <laughs> right? Frigile. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
right i i uh i i i i am very i am very um happy and impressed and humbled all at the same time just to see like um there's something cool about an event that runs for a decade right that is not a small thing right i think the only other event that we have that runs any uh, you know i mean this crossroads that's been going on for I don't forever know, yeah 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 it was the 72nd year or some shit like that but like unplugged gt not only has been one of the longest running events but also was the first event to go all kings of war that's true yeah. true right. like yes yeah. i mean that, right that is, that is... we we went full kings of war when you know things happened and we were like mm-hmm. just no we're gonna go on that on that train we're gonna push this uh right. yep yeah and I, I i don't think that 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 took a lot of courage to do because there are financial ramifications to doing that right <laughs> so you're not hedging your bets you're like no dude this is the future and i'm i'm pushing let's go yeah right? like that that I think um, um, deserves deserves to be mentioned as well, right? I mean, there's longevity and there's also uh, the vision that goes with it, right? You run the event; it's a different event, but you run the event that you want to run, and um, people seem to like it because they keep coming, they keep coming back, you know. So that's that's a good thing. No two weeks yep. about it. Super. You know. Well, yeah. all right, folks. As always, thank you so much for tuning thank in. Thank you, guys. Uh, we appreciate uh, yeah all the listeners we have out there. If you uh, feel like finding out more about the GT definitely check out um, our social medias our discord because there are pictures in all of those places um, for myself specifically when I post about the episode I'll have photos from my games on Instagram right. at mm-hmm. uh, unplugged underscore radio I always forget is that my is that my thing uh, yeah something like that yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's at Unplugged Radio KOW. At Unplugged Radio KOW. If you want to see pictures, and uh, you know, Unplugged Gamers, I assume there's like a Facebook page for that. Uh, okay. Uh, the so face- there uh, other pictures from the event and whatnot can be found on there. And uh, until next time, take yeah, care of yourselves. Yeah, buddies, be well. Take it easy, man. See you guys. Later.